love to see you there, people. So you're listening to you. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Joe Montalda Show, of course, with your host, Joe Montalda. I know a lot of people still out there are a little confused because we used to be UF, formerly used to be UF on the cover, and UF on the cover is still around, and we do use it for a thing from time to time, and it, it is a show that our different hosts on the network can use now. Sorry, guys, it didn't clear my throat on y'all like that. But um, the show is around, so anyone that, who on our network who wants to use it can. I still use it for research, but... With this show, I have a lot more freedom to talk about things that, that I want to talk about and stuff that I personally am involved in and other things uh, that I'm really, really, really interested in personally. Tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about military abductions. Now, I know people who have listened to me over the years from Wake Up USA to UFO Undercover to now my own show. Um, I have discussed this on several occasions. Actually, Christopher – no, actually, we changed the name of the show because we were actually going to give it a title. We really were. And uh, But <clears throat> there's so many topics that we want to talk about. It's going to really be hard to put a good variety title on it, so I just figured I'd name it after myself, like most show hosts do. I mean, um, anybody worth their salt or anybody who's making money in the field, this show is pretty much named after themselves, um, with the exception of maybe Coast to Coast because it's not the George Norris show. But everybody else, you know, Hannity, Rush, uh, um, Bill, Rachel, anybody who's anybody is pretty much how it is. So, but anyway, enough about all of that. It's not really important to y'all. Um, but tonight is we're going to be discussing military abductions. Now, the, the military abduction term is kind of an oxymoron. The fact that it's not really the military as we perceive the military, not the military who's out there saving, protecting, serving, and kicking ass in, in the name of freedom and the safety of its citizens of America. That's that's not the military we're talking about here. To start off with. You know, we probably at ICAR, and myself personally, probably for every 50 cases we get, maybe every 100 cases, it's hard to put a number on it, uh, we probably get one military abduction case. Now, there's a lot of reasons for military abductions, and we're going to talk about that a little later on the show. But there are a lot of reasons why a military would want to abduct people. But first, what really is <clears throat> a military abduction? What is it really? Well, a military abduction is frankly when the military takes you instead of the aliens. Can aliens be present? Yes, they can. Are they present sometimes? Yes, they are. But still, these are military abductions. Uh, these are, are, are a group that comes and takes you. Now, it's hard because, like I said, I, I don't like calling military because some of these guys are, are ex-military. They're ex-generals, ex-colonels, uh, ex-captains, stuff like that. These, these are guys who had made it up the ladder and really knew and, and for somehow or another – got some information about the extraterrestrials visiting the planet and decided that they wanted to be part of this. Or got, I should say they got indoctrinated into it. So I said, I don't think they actually decided for themselves. I think somebody else decided for them. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, <clears throat> they get indoctrinated into this. And the thing about it is, being, being indoctrinated like this, you know, they're going to tell you X amount. You're going to learn X amount. You're going to be involved with X amount. But they do keep this subject fairly well compartmentalized. Um, it is it is one of those one of those things that you know it's easier to do it that way. So Joe knows you know what kind of craft it is. Bob knows what kind of alien it is. Christopher knows you know what the alien likes for dinner, so on and so forth, and it just goes around and around. And that way, the guys at the top have a good idea of what everything is, as, as much you know as much as information they can get on their hands, and they move forward like that. Now. So here you got you got ex-CIA, ex-NSA, ex-military, um, ex-politicians, ex-business you know, corporations. I would imagine several companies 
uh, have people there representing themselves in these military abductions. I wouldn't doubt that big old aerospace had someone there rep uh, uh, representing them. Any company that has a vested interest in technology has a vested interest in extraterrestrials. Let's be honest about it. The only company with enough balls to actually say it was Bigelow Aerospace. They got out there and said, look, we know the planet's being visited. We want to find this technology so we can, of course, make the next logical step in the space race for them. You know, it's profit. It's about money. Uh, I, I doubt Bigelow really wants to shake E.T.'s hands, but I guarantee you he'd like to know what propels its spacecraft around. And I don't have a problem with that, by the way. Okay, if it can advance mankind and advance our way of being without killing anybody, harming anybody, anything else, I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. Um, you know, let's 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 be frank about this. You have extraterrestrials coming into our planet, abducting people, taking people. So there should be some give and take, right? I mean, why do they get to have all the fun and we don't get to have any fun? You know, people ask, people tell me all the time, oh, the military knows everything, the government knows everything. No, they don't. Okay, the fact that they do military abductions proves beyond any reasonable doubt the government doesn't know much more than most advanced researchers. Maybe not as much as some advanced researchers because they seem to have a particular interest in some of them. So the thing about it is, is they know they're here. Whether they made a deal for technology versus abductions, they may have. They must have ran out by now because uh, it doesn't seem to be working that way anymore. <clears throat> I mean, we're making natural progression off the technology we have, uh, but it doesn't seem to be a real infusion of new technologies. Uh, there's lots of new inventions, but they're all based on the same technology. Somebody said the other day, well, look how much has changed. We got pads. We got this. We got that. We got this. They're all based on a microprocessor. It's nothing revolutionary or nothing new. The Google Glass or the Gorilla Glass that you use on your telephone was invented by Corning in 1948, people. Okay, so actually the glass on your phone is an ancient technology as far as things go. Uh, so it's, it's not, you know, I don't want people to take it out. The microchip was invented a long time ago. All this is is better and more advanced software. Uh, and we, of course, we learn how to make everything smaller. But it's not anything new. It's still the same stuff. We're still sprouting ideas off the same technologies. Uh, there's no, there's, there's no, you know, we like the carbon chip. We haven't moved to the carbon chip yet. The you know, Japanese have been working on a carbon chip for about 16 years. You grow a chip in a petri dish. The one they got right now is about 25,000 uh, megahertz, which is oodles and boodles. And the way they're designed, they're 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 not multi-core like you think. They're like, like, it's like 1,000. 100 gig cores. I mean, this is something computing power that we've never even dreamed of. For not even our military's dreamed of this stuff. And now it looks like in one day it may be in our future. That is a step, but it's still a microprocessor, mind you. It may be a microprocessor grown from carbon, but it is still a microprocessor. It's not anything new. My biggest argument for today and everybody coming out forward, advance is the fact that yes, we are advancing, but we're not inventing anything new. We're just simply getting better and better and better. To, to put in point. Uh, heart disease, cancer, things like that. 20 years ago, AIDS, 20 years ago, we're killing people left and right. Your chances of surviving now are much greater than they were 20 years ago. Of course, 20 years from now, they're going to be much greater than that. Another 20 years from now, it may be completely cured and we won't even have to worry about it. Um, but still, it's still the same progression of the same technology. So the government comes in and they says, look, okay, we know people are taken, alien abductees are taken. Well, one of the things we learned very, very early on is some of the more famous ones seem to get MILAB more often. And there's a reason why to that. Because famous contactees tend to get on the radio or TV and blab about what they know. Okay? And by the way, I've told the government if they want to know what they know, they just call me on the phone and ask me. 
or come over and I'll tell them all, all my little secrets, you know. They can come on by and, and, and check it out and so forth and so forth. Um, you know, we're pretty open. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, yes, I am. Uh, sorry, I was answering something in the room, but... Um, you know, the government goes around doing this. And like I said, I, keep, I hate using the government word because it's really not. Barack Obama knows nothing about this. George Bush knew nothing about this. They're not, their pay grade is not high enough to know this. I hate to say that about the President of the United States because they, they make, what, 400000 a year, 500000 a year, whatever they make. Uh, their pay grade isn't high enough. Uh, they don't want them knowing this secret. You know, uh, George Bush Sr., he probably knew. Reagan probably knew. Um... Carter, he didn't know. I don't think Clinton knew either. Hillary wanted to know, but they never would tell her for some reason. She got involved with several different groups, including the Rockefellers, to try to force this. And then somewhere along the line, she just dropped it. Reason one is she wanted to have a political career. You're not going to have a political career if you're chasing UFOs, man, let's be honest about it. Um, so Ford, I don't think, knew either. I, you know, There's always been an argument that two-term presidents are told. If that's true, then it looks like they only tell Republican two-term presidents, because I don't think Bill or Obama knows. Obama does not act like a man who knows his extraterrestrials visiting his planet. Reagan did, though. So did Bush. See, they both acted like it. They, they instituted – think about this, y'all. This, this, this should tell you something right here. Some of Reagan's claim to fame. you ever heard of Pine Gap? Yeah, the mutual British defense of outer space. Now, outer space means beyond the moon. It really means beyond the solar system, but we'll just, for the sake of argument, say beyond the moon. Uh, what we were defending ourselves from, by the way, this is a fully functional base still in Australia, still operational today. Uh, thank, thank you, Mr. President. Oh, Star Wars lasers, uh, Star Wars missile defense systems, Star Wars laser defense systems. Oh, well, we found out that he was building these lasers to put on these platforms that... Well, well, they were way overpowered for shooting missiles down. Maybe for like cracking buildings in half or melting large objects coming towards you, but not so much for missiles. You just kind of wonder. Oh, and then he what? What? What else did he institute? It's called the Harp Facility. Now here is a man, and then he got on on national television on six occasions and said, on six occasions and said, what if an alien invasion was to come to our planet? This was a man preparing for an attack for space. He, Ronald Reagan felt like this planet was being threatened from outer space. Whether we were or whether we not, I'm not going to debate that, but he was planning for it. George Bersenia seemed to be a little bit smarter than that, even though he went along with a lot of this. Um, he might have knew a little bit more about it. But it also tells me that the presidents really don't know what the aliens really want. And I think that scares him more than it scares us. You know, you have the U.S. military, one of the most powerful militaries to ever exist on this planet's existence that we know of. And yet, they, they're scared of a little gray guy and a little flying disc. Why? Yeah, ain't that the question. Why? <laughs> yeah, that's the whole damn question. And they seem to be petrified of them. Uh, military abductions happen all around the world. What's really funny about military abductions, sometimes like in the U.S., Canada, most of South America, some places in Europe, Australia, they do see Americans present. Some places in Europe, they see gentons. What is that? How y'all say? Is that correct to say? French policemen, is how they describe them? Speaking fluid French. Actually, they, they do speak French, but in most occasions they say um, they have a French accent. And it's so funny because 
two contactees just recently were telling me this, and they compared them to uh, um, Inspector Clouseau in the way they spoke, which was kind of funny, by the way. But I'm not sure of the relevance, but it was kind of funny. But they did mean uh, with a French accent. Um, so we have found that out. We do know that there has been military abductions done in Russia by, well, whatever Russia calls the KGB now. Um, I have no idea what they call them, but we are aware of that. As far as I know, ICRA is the only one that's aware of that because we ran across, well, we, we happen to have contactees and a director in Russia. <laughs> so, uh, you know. But altogether, for the most part, it seems to be what I would like to call a special ops group of some kind mixed with maybe a hybrid group or maybe the rogue grades. I don't know what you want to call them, but there seems to be some other presence there. I know a lot of times there's been cases where um, milabs have been taken and the grades have shown up and taken them back. But we also know that there's handoffs. We do know sometimes, especially with the grades, they will hand off a contactee to the military. I would bet you money that's what happened to Travis Walton. Um, might be what happened to Barney and Betty Hill, I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> Uh, the thing about it is, is, is these handoffs happen, especially back in the 70s and 60s. Uh, this phenomenon wasn't like it is today. It's not, it wasn't known like it is today. And it would have been much easier to get away with this and, of course, blame this on extraterrestrials. Uh, why not blame it on extraterrestrial, extraterrestrials? It seems like an easy thing to do. But so, really, as far as we're really concerned, military abductions are really covert group. It's one group controls them all around the world uh, with maybe the exception of Russia and China but everywhere else it controls them around the world they've probably even got some pull over there these guys want to know what the aliens want with us not only that they want to know specs about ships training programs anything that you can do um, you know a lot of contactees talk about the different training programs they talk about the non-physical abduction the downloads and the host bodies where they're on training expeditions and stuff like that uh, where they're going sometimes weeks at a time um, the government wants to know how this is possible how do they do this what's going on here they want to know about the technologies used they want to hear about the sizes of the ships the armaments of the ships the propulsion systems of the ships because a lot of contactees are learning especially the smaller craft, how they work, how they operate, uh, how they can be driven, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> There's a lot going on, and the government really wants it. But the government's problem is, is they just don't know who all these people are. Unless they happen to be in the public, it's hard for the government to find out. They can tap phones and radio stations like mine and other people that work in the field, but there's only limited information they're going to get because most times when we get into really in-depth stuff with contactees, it's usually face-to-face, -face, uh, which makes it a lot harder, especially now that we've learned that you put in some background music with a, with a background scratcher, and it's almost impossible for them to make out what the hell you're saying. Um, even with high-def equipment, it's really, really hard. A scratcher is, uh, or a noisemaker, um, the therapists use them. Uh, to drown that sound, it's it's just a it's a combination of wind, noise, and uh, a few other things. It's just that coupled with music and talk, it's hard to separate the three, especially if you're all about the same octone. It's really 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 hard. So uh, we've learned that early on. So because we've been bugged, we've had people show up with radars, not radars, with dishes. I'm not kidding y'all guys. This this we're talking. What is this? 2014, about 1994, <clears throat> 20 years ago. Um, I was at an attorney friend of mine's ha his office, actually. 
uh, they call him the old master. His name was Gregory Avery. And uh, we were at his, his office, and uh, we were going through um, – this back when I was with MUFON still, by the way. And uh, we were going through uh, some cases and some stuff, and there was uh, four or five people in there. And he had had his office soundproof. He had, had put soundboard in it and put paneling over it. You know, he's a well-off attorney. wasn't a big deal. And uh, he had a soundproof, and he had this little device where he'd go around and check the different electrical things in there to see if they were bugged and come to find out. On two different occasions, the outlets were bugged, so we would just go in there, you know, slide it out, unscrew, unscrew, and drop it off. And uh, so it would go did. Well, long story short, out of the blue one day, I seen the white van out there with the tenant windows, and I just said, screw it. And I just walked out there. As I'm walking up, you can see the big white dish pointed right at us, trying to hear anything that we can say. Uh, this, as a matter of fact, I can even tell you what's parked. It's parked in front of Empastado's Italian restaurant. <clears throat> yeah. And as I approached the van, of course, they sped off and left, and, and that was the end of it. So I know this form of harassment goes on. I've been harassed in other ways. I know other people have been harassed in other ways. Um, and And... So, you know, the harassment is real, passive harassment, whatever you want to call it. There's other forms of harassment besides that as well, um, where they harass. But really, they're looking just like you are or just like I am or anybody who's in the field. They are truly looking for answers. That's what they're looking for. They really want to know uh, why is E.T. here, why E.T. taking you, what the craft does, what this does, what that does, what everything does. Why have they been abducted in family lines? from anywhere from 20,000 to 200,000 years. Why? Uh, these are questions that they want to know. Why is the same gray in charge of the same family dating back 20, 30, 40,000 years? I mean, there's a lot of whys here and not much in the way of you know, answer coming back. So the government has a vested interest. And remember, they're scared, and, we're the, and we are we the people. First off, our government is supposed to protect we the people. So anytime someone gets abducted, they're not really doing their job, are they? No, they're not. Uh, so it makes it hard, and they want a no. So you've got what you've got with the government and these corporations is whatever makes up this black um, this Milab program, which, like I said, is ex-military, ex-corporate execs, ex-government people uh, who make this this up. They're after you know they want to know why. They want to know what's up. They want they want every answer to get some of for money, some of for power, some of for fear, but they want to get every little itsy bitsy piece of information they can. Well, the Greys don't seem to be very cooperative with the guys. You know, the Greys are kind of like, yeah, whatever. Just back off and stay out of this. You, you ain't got nothing to do with us. Just stay out of it. Um, the humans and reptilians really don't want to get involved with the government either. No one really wants to get involved with our government. You know, I, I love these people who write to me with these super soldier things, and, and they tell me, oh, the government knows all of this, and we've been fighting wars on ten planets, and blah, 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 blah. Really? Really? Do you, when, you know, when I hear ignorant shit like that, it just cracks me up. Because first off, you would, if we were fighting a war, and everybody, everybody knows in a big war, like a world war or a massive war, you're going to lose not hundreds of people, not thousands of people, but millions of people. Last I checked, there's not millions and millions of people going missing. No, there's not. And frankly, if they had a super soldier program, Putin would have been dead a long time ago. That would have been Obama's first thing. Oh, you said what to me, Putin? You said what, Mr. Putin? Mr. Poo-Poo Head? And boom, that would have been it. But of course he can't do it, can he? Oh, no. It's like the people who tell me the government has all these high-end um, psychics. Ooh, you really believe that, don't you? It's funny to me, but if we had telepaths that could get into Putin's head, uh, X 
Xing's head and know where they were going to be and what they were doing, they wouldn't last a moment. If we had real true telepaths that were um, had telekinesis, where they could just think of blood vessel closed in someone's brain, that's an aneurysm. So, wow, look at that. Mr. Putin died of an aneurysm. Well, how the hell did that happen? <gasps> damn, look, Xing died of one too. Wow, what the hell's going on? Uh, oh, damn, the Ayatollah's head exploded. Holy shit. Um, Kim Jong-un, yeah, I know what had happened to him. His little thing would have fell off. Um, but the point being is none of this happens. So we don't have those abilities. And someone told me one day, oh, well, China and, and, and Russia probably have them too. Okay, I'll give you that Russia might. China is just now getting out of, out of the third world into the second world. No, they don't. India don't. South America don't. Middle East don't. Um, so if we had them, we would be using them. But we're not. Um, that's the whole point. We're not using those kind of things. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can say we have, but there's a lot of ways to prove we don't. Um, Frank, to answer your question, yes, um, Bush did order five planted buster missiles. Um, whether they were ever built, I never heard. I've never seen any other articles on them. I just heard that they were going to be, um, what did he say, K-5, 10 to the 10th power or something. Anyway, it was uh, 100 times stronger than the strongest nuke we have today, which I believe is 100 kilotons. Uh, so I guess a million kilotons. Um, but as far as I know, none were made and none were ever delivered. Um, they said one of them, a uh, low-yield one, which would have been a quarter power, would have been enough to level most of the Asian continent. Um, why would we want to use something like that? <laughs> so I don't know why they were ordered. You know, I always thought it was a rumor, but I did catch a CNN. Uh, I caught an article, and then I caught it on CNN. So it was actually a real program, but I don't think anything ever came out of it. I really don't think anything came out of it. And if they did, well, then there's five planet busters laying around somewhere. God hope the terrorists don't get a hold of them. We'll all be living like in, um, what was that sci-fi thing, Flash Garden? We'll all be a kingdom of mongrel, mong, ming, whatever. <laughs> but the thing about it is our government don't have these kind of technologies. They want these kind of technologies, and that's why they mill at people. It's not that they don't have psychics. They got decent psychics. They got, they got I mean, not psychics. They got decent telepaths and empaths and stuff like that. And uh, they can read people's thoughts and minds. Can they read them in in Russia? I doubt it. There's probably somebody, some kind of field, somebody else over there, you know, trying to keep them out. And it's probably the same thing going on over here. I've never really heard much about psychics in the Asian world, um, or telepaths in the Asian world. And I'm not, you know, saying they don't have them, but they do have them. It's just not something that's spoken of a lot, and it doesn't seem to be something that's a prom as prominent in other societies. So uh, there may be a reason why. Uh, it might be something else, but in the end, there's not just there's just not that many skilled psychics on the planet, that many skilled telepaths or empaths on the planet. I hate using the word psychic because that's not what they are. Um, there's just not that many, you know, skilled telepaths on the planet. I doubt somebody, you know. I have never – I heard a lot of people talk about telekinesis. I have seen two or three people move a penny a half inch on a table. Hey, I'm impressed. But even for them, it was strenuous how two of them got nosebleeds. Um, so the thing about it is, is, you know, unless we have some super one that we don't know about, mm, I'm not feeling it. Now, we might be developing towards that in 500 years from now, 5,000 years from now, 50,000 years or 500,000 years from now. We may have super psychs. Uh, we may have them all over the place. It may become what our, our society is. It may be what the aliens are doing, telling us into a telepathic society. Because let's be honest, 
If everybody had to tell the truth, it would be a way different world, wouldn't it be? Think about it. Think about if our standing president had to tell the truth about his who, what he believes and what he really is. You don't think it will be a different world? Think about if Putin had to step up there and every time he spoke told the truth. Anybody for that matter. Think about your neighbors, your friends. Or when you say, hey, look at that ugly biatch. You know, oh, no. You know, they'd know they'd hear it. You know, it would be a different world. If everyone had to tell the truth, it would be a different world. It would be an interesting world. Uh, with lots, well, in a lot of ways, I think it would be more boring. Fewer surprises. And I'm sure as telepathic abilities develop, people will learn how to block and fight back and uh, do things like that. But uh, still, there's always going to be somebody bigger and better. So really, these are what the things that the, the Milab groups are looking for. They're looking for advanced, advanced psychics, advanced telepaths, advanced anybody with telekinesis. They're looking for that anybody who has knowledge on how the ships operate, uh, what their speeds may be, you know, how they navigate. Uh, they have a particular interest in the gray ships because, you know, rumor has it the gray ships are grown, uh, that they're alive. They're not like the, the human ships and the reptilian ships are built ships, like we build ships, but of course way more advanced than ours. Uh, but the grays actually grow the ships. And not just the little ships, even the big, big ones, the planet-sized ones, they actually grow those damn things. Um, there's actually a rumor that, that three, three of the moons um, near Saturn and uh, Jupiter are actually disguise they're, they're um, planet-sized spacecraft representing the three races visiting here um, whether that's true or not I have no idea you know I know that they have big motherships around because too many people describe talking about them being inside of them the white level the white layered levels with the the atrium that runs from the floor to the ceiling and when you look down it's like looking down 50 miles when you look up it's like looking up 50 miles but everywhere up and down it's nothing but uh, plants and trees and bushes and stuff and it just runs up and down in the center of the craft um, but, I mean, the place is huge. It's huge. The rooms you walk into when you walk into the rooms, uh, the rooms conform to what you want. Um, it just conforms. A chair comes out the wall, desk comes out, monitors come out, whatever you need comes out. It's it's a much beyond the technologies we have today. It's actually much more uh, efficient. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a way, way more efficient. I wish I knew how long it took them to grow. By the way, I've seen that question in the audience. I have no idea. Um could be a day, could be a decade, could be anything in between. Uh, it's not anything you hear, but you, you barely hear about even the growth of the ships. The only reason we even found that out is a couple of times when contactees were on board, things would happen on the ships, you know, accidents, what have you, whatever you want to call them, maybe attacks. I don't really know what they were. Uh, but in those occasions, the Greys were treating the ship as it was wounded, not as it was a. Uh, um, just a, a metal craft, and they were physically and emotionally upset about it on top of it. And since the Greys rarely share emotion, there must be some kind of psychological bond between the Greys on board the ship and the craft itself. Yeah, the ships are definitely a lot. Um, I, I, would say, I would think that the Grey ships are, are sentient in some way. You know, there's a movie that, that a friend of mine and I like to watch. Actually, it's a television series called Babylon 5. And there's a group in there. Where's Jason when you need him? Um, what the hell were they called? The Vorlons. And uh, they actually had ships that um, they grew, and the ships were sentient. And they used to keep a telepathic leak with their, with their commander and their pilot of the ship. It sounds a lot like that. It really does. It sounds a lot like that. People will tell you when greys go into the ship, they actually slip in these little holes. It's like they plug their body into the craft itself. There's no physical instrumentation anywhere. Um, 
so it's like they plug themselves in. Even when they're doing instrumentation, like the tables actually lift up from the floor like a fluid, like a fountain of water coming up, and then they spread out, and then they spread out, and then there's like a clear table. Sometimes it has a color, sometimes it don't. I don't know why. Sometimes it's got a color, sometimes it don't. But uh, it's a table, and it's, 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 like it's kind of soft but hard at the same time. And then when they lay you on top of it, it actually conforms to your body, and then it will actually cover your body. But yet you can still breathe. That shit just freaks me out. They, um, it's it's just cool as hell. Uh, it's one of the things that really cracks me up too, though. I I, I actually enjoy uh, listening to people talk about it. It's 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 because there's a lot of fear there, but there's a lot of exhilaration as well when the people start talking about these different instruments coming out the walls. And, you know, for the first time, you have this um some of this stuff done to you. I imagine it's quite a few, it's just quite frightening. Uh, but still, you know, once happened a few times, or a few more times, or a few more times, then you either get used to it, or you crack up, or you start to ask questions, or something in between. Uh, most people, though, really want to know why, what, what's up, you know, what's this for, what's that for. And frankly, the table scenes are not that common. They're more common from puberty to age 30. Uh, because that's when it seems like they're more interested in, in certain types of experiments, your emotional well-being, uh, your physical well-being, what can you take stress-wise, things like that. I mean, that kind of stuff it seems to be a lot of the stuff that they're testing in, in those age ranges. When you get older, they seem to be doing a lot more different stuff. Um, and uh, Chrissy, uh, to answer your question, uh, yes, the reptilians are abducting people just like the humans are abducting people, just like the greys are abducting people. The greys abduct probably... 60 to 70 percent of most of the abductions are grazed. The other 15 percent, other 30 percent, is split pretty evenly between the reptilians and the humans. But see, that's not how it started. From what we understand, the way it started was uh, the reptilians were here a long time ago. For whatever reason, the reptilians took a hiatus and disappeared for a while. Uh, they came back. Now, some people say some of them were sleeping under the planet. Some say they weren't colonies. Some say it was both. Whatever it was, they came back and they found a human race here. Um, not this human race, not the one, not us, but one real close to us. That race keyed them off that there was somebody else here, somebody much more advanced. The Sumerians uh, said they, these guys came here from the heavens, built two huge, great white dome cities. Uh, then they created a race like themselves to go out and you know get the resources off the planet. But for some reason, somewhere along the line, the race that they created to live on the planet decided, well, you know what, we're kind of omnipotent too. Uh, we're just like y'all, except we can breathe the air here. The other ones couldn't. That's why they had to live in the dome cities. And uh, they decided to create what the Sumerians call the seven creations of man. Uh, the first six creations are wild-ass creations from birdmen to dogmen to all kind of stuff in between. The last creation is the base model, what I like to call the base model. The Bible describes them, like Adam and Eve, as people who could, well, you know... They could plow the field. They could name the animals. They they knew about food. You know, they knew which foods to eat. They could make beer. They could procreate, but they never asked why they had to do anything. They just did it. They just did what they were told without asking. Then all of a sudden, they start talking. The uh, Sumerians start talking about the reptilians used to come in and steal their women, rape their women, and bring them back. These women would have children. The children didn't look reptilian, but they sure acted different. They were much more aggressive. Uh, than the regular kids were. 
And as this kept happening throughout Samaria and throughout the, the Middle East, as they were interbreeding with the population, this population became more aggressive. And finally, this population said, well, wait a minute now. This 500 of y'all and 500,000 of us, uh, unless you're planning on wiping us out, what the hell? And I guess somewhere along the line they decided, or maybe the Greys, maybe that's when the Greys stepped in. And the Greys said, oh, wait a minute now, you and the reptilians are not going to get into a fight over this planet and wipe everybody out. It's not going to happen. So then the Greys came in, and I think the Greys found it fascinating that there was now a species on the planet that was part native, part reptilian, and part human. And I think the Greys decided to say, well, you know what, I wonder what would happen if we added a little Grey DNA. So now we've got this grand-ass project running on this planet. Humans ourselves are probably three or four different DNAs. Um, it's interesting. And on top of up, there's more evidence to back this up because, remember, there was no RH negative on the planet. Okay? Until 25,000 years ago, there was no such thing as RH negative. There was no need for it. None at all. Mother Nature didn't need RH negative. RH negative kills babies, 15% at one time. Um, or actually more than that, about 25%. The, the thing about it is, RH negative killed babies. Why would Mother Nature create it? Mm, I don't know. It sounds like a new genome had been added in. Uh, maybe, the, you know, a lot of people would go, you can go humans A, reptilians B, grays O. Maybe. Nobody really knows. Might not be any of that either, by the way. Might just be the way it worked out. But in the end, some something or someone introduced into the human po population RH negative. Now, in the beginning, it was a negative. And then somebody invented the antigenogen D gene and started giving people shots. That's why in the old days, you used to, you used to have to get a blood test to make sure you were compatible. Do you all remember that? I know some of you all too young to remember that, but you used to have to do that back in the day. You'd have to get a blood test to make sure you're competitive. And that's because RH negative and RH positive sometimes didn't mix. And the baby would die. Spontaneous abortion, things like that. So, why would Mother Nature create this? Now, now in modern time, we have found out that RH negative is a godsend. And I mean a godsend. First off, O negative is a universal donor. Everyone on this planet can be given blood from O negative. So now instead of hospitals having to stock 50 different types, I mean, well not 50, but 8 different types of blood, in large volumes they don't have to anymore. They can stock RH negative. Because RH negative, by the way, can only take RH negative, but everybody else on the planet can take RH negative. It is the purest form of blood known to man. It is where all of our blood research comes from. It's where all of our studies are being done from because it is the purest form of blood known to man. Now, how can this be when RH negative didn't even exist in the start of our freaking population? And I said freaking, not the other word. Um, how could it be? These kind of things make no sense at all. And now even the government wants these answers. They want to know what the hell is going on. You know, why is this going on? Why are the overall majority of contactees RH negative when RH negative only makes up 15% of the world's population? Which, by the way, is the agreed amount of abductees. Uh, most, most researchers agree that the abductions are between 10 and 15%. Well, no, I said freaking. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go over but um, you've got to wonder what's up with this. Why? Out of the blue, Mother Nature said, here it is. So this is another reason why they do military abductions. They're really interested in this. And unfortunately, I caught inadvertently, probably gave them a stepping stone, a tool, when we did the blood type research about eight years ago. 
uh, when we released those findings, um, we made a boo-boo. We shouldn't have done it. Uh, because, frankly, now we gave them another tool to help filter who to look for. Now, by the way, just because you're not RH negative does not mean you're not a, in a content. I'd have to go on the site and check. I believe, I haven't looked in a while, but it, I think it's 65% of all of our contactees are H negative, 35 are um, RH positive. Um, and then out of that, out of the negatives, half of more of that is, R, is um, O negative. Um, which is just wild in itself. There's definitely something to do with the RH. There's definitely something involved in that. But it, like I said, it's not exclusive. Doesn't matter what type of blood you have, they will take you if they think they need you. Uh, if they want you or they think that you have something they do. But i got to be honest with you. I, I, I have not personally, okay, I'm going to say personally, and nor anyone that I know that works for this organization has ever ran into a one-time abductee, meaning that ah, Joe Smo was staying there at Bob's house, and when they took Bob, they took Bob, Bob Jr. You know, Bob, 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 and the other brother Bob. Yeah, Dow and other Dow, Dow Jr. and the other brother named Dow. You know what I mean? The point being is, you just don't hear about that. You know, when I was interviewing Travis Walton, I said, Travis, did you ever stop and think? that this had been going on some other time. And I said, did you ever stop and think, Travis, that they were coming for you? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, obviously, you're in an old, crinkety-ass uh, king cab truck made that's like 15 years old. You're coming down the side of a rocky mountain road with your headlights on high beams blaring all up in the air as they're bouncing around, trucks squeaking, <laughs> lights flashing all over the place. I said, do you really think the aliens didn't know you were coming? And let me tell you what, he reacted very weird to that because no one had ever told him that. Before you can listen to the archive, you'll hear it in his voice. I shook him because it wasn't something he expected to hear. You know, he was like, well, 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 what do you mean? I said, well, did you ever think they were coming for you? And then at the end, right at the end of the interview, him and I are talking, and I said, well, I said, Travis, why don't you explain to me the hangar thing? Because everybody forgets this part about Travis Walton's case. He was on board the alien spacecraft where he got loose or he woke up or whatever, and he ran out. When he ran out of the spacecraft, he was inside of a hangar, okay, a human hangar. He said there was other, like, airplanes and stuff there. He was in a hangar. We would just consider an everyday hangar, like, on any airport anywhere, okay. So then he says he was brought over, and there was three people there. They were in suits, but they spoke English. They were humans, and they were in suits. So everybody assumed these were human aliens, but then when I was talking to him, I was asking, I said, I said, well, Describe the suits to me. And I said, you know, it sounds like C2C, Center for Disease Control Suits. That's what it sounds like. It doesn't sound like any advanced alien suits. Really, do, do you really think, let's, now let's be honest about this, people, 1976 or not, do you really think that an advanced alien craft that can come here from another side of the universe is going to have spacesuits that look like ours? Really? It's one of the problems I have with the Betty and Barney Hill case. Uh, really, do you think they're going to have something that looks like us? When, when, when Barney and Betty describe what happened to them on the night of Kinetic, that is pure, pure military abduction. There is no doubt. When they were, the, the hills were abducted in Canada by aliens and reabducted in the United States by the U.S. military. And it's easy to prove. I know Kathleen Maldron hates to hear it, but it's easy to prove. Uh, you know, especially with the debunking of the maps and stuff, it's really, really easy to prove it. One night I'll do a show about that. Um, but it's, it's, it was an easy thing. Matter of fact, if anybody's interested in that, on the old iCar website, which is www.icar1.homestead.com, 
um, you can find all the old stuff. I think it might be on the iCarbon1.com site as well, too. And actually, there's another iCar site in the works. So it probably won't be till after summer, but it's it's started anyway. Yeah, so let's just get that first page down. Um, so, uh, who was that? Selma? Oh, you wanted to know about... Oh, no, Selma. Uh, listen, www.soundcloud.com forward slash UPRN. Or you can go over to Podcast Gardens. We have a new RSS feed. Oh, we got a new iTunes feed, too. Um, I'll have to catch up with Stephanie Benetti. I sent it to the other day. And I'll get it out to you all, but we have a new iTunes feed as well. Because GoDaddy cannot support the amount of people visiting the bandwidth that site anymore. Uh, they said there's nothing they can do. Uh, we're burning up about 10,000 gigs of bandwidth with them a month, and there's just nothing they can do. It's, just, it's not designed to handle that. Uh, they apologized and everything else, but they said there's just nothing they can do about it. And they said unless I want to spend like 5Gs a month on bandwidth, there's just nothing they can do about it. So, um, you know, we're going to keep GoDaddy for a while because we've had GoDaddy a long time, but really – we want people to start moving over to the SoundCloud, the Pod Garden, the iTunes, you know, we, uh, the new iTunes, a couple of other ones out there. We have Podcast, I mean, um, Podbeam and somebody else. But anyway, there's about 10 of them. But the two primary ones are going to be, here you go, www.soundcloud.com forward slash UPRN. And I will get you the other one in a minute. Uh, from the pod garden. Let me see if I can find it right quick since I, I'm talking about it. And then we'll get back to what we were talking about. Uh, let's see. Uh, these people are actually pretty good. It's uh, Podcast Garden is the name of the place, actually. Um, I've been enjoying using it over there. It's not really expensive either. I was quite surprised. But it's new, so I'm a little you know leery because it is new. But I'm hoping they uh, got their act together and we'll find it. But SoundCloud definitely got their act together, by the way. Uh, we're getting a, a RSS feed for SoundCloud, too, but uh, they definitely got their act together over there. It's, it's a good place. But I like this new podcast garden. It's simple, easy to use. Um, I really enjoy using it. But here we go. Where is the RSS feed? Okay, the RSS feed is, well, let me give you this one. This is www.podcastgarden.com, and then it's forward slash podcast, forward, forward slash UFO Paranormal Radio Network. But I'm going to give you these in the room, and this is the RSS feed right here. Let's see. Where's the room at? Anybody listening to us outside, I will post this stuff in other places, too, and I will talk to Stephanie about putting it up on um, – whoops, why didn't I put the RSS feed in there? What was that about? I didn't like something. Huh. Sorry, guys, they don't want to let me uh, – what's up with that? Hmm. It rarely ever does that. It contained illegal characters. Get the hell out of here. But anyway, guys, since Power Talk wants to be a pain in it, but it's um, Podcast Gardens. We're under the news and politics category. You can find us in there. Uh, it's really easy to find us. they got a lot of good stuff in there. I think we've got about 45 shows posted there. Soundgarden, we now have 172 shows posted, so you can go over there and catch those as well. Yes, GoDaddy, unfortunately, has got like 2,500, so it'll be a little while before those sites reach those numbers, but it is there. Oh, there you go, Stephanie. Look, she's posting away. Thanks, Steph. But anyway, getting back to the topic at hand and away from the publicizing, um, it's uh, a lot – well, while we aren't publicizing, I've got to say this too. Remember, starting March 7th, the Church of Mavis will be leaving Saturday night and moving to Friday afternoons. They will be opening up for Citizen Sane and Unabridged Universe. Citizen Sane, of course, is – 
Guy Whittle and the great Sasha Christie, who I hear is, uh, well, we'll leave that for another night. And, of course, we have Jason Wilson and Heather Garish on Unabridged Universe. And now the famous Church of Mavis will be opening up. It's kind of funny to me because the host of the Guy Whittle, who is the host of Citizen Sane, and, of course, Jeffrey Pritchard, who is the host of Church of Mavis, used to host together. <laughs> And, of course, they no longer do, so this is going to be fun to watch. I told them they had to be nice to each other. We'll have to see how this works out, by the way. It's going to be fun. Uh, but anyway, enough about all of that. i got a bunch of questions coming in from all over, so i got to get back to what I was paying attention to. It. So for military abduction, basically these are groups of people that work inside. There's an organized group. Probably was originally put together by a government organization. It's outside of the government now, though. It runs independent uh, they probably have some more advanced technology. They probably are in cahoots with um, either the hybrids or what people like to call the um, rogue gray race. I, I don't know enough about that to know for sure, but um, there is some evidence to suggest that there's um, a small rogue gray group out there uh, because of some, some weird gray abductions. Um, and there's one or two, like, like one of the guys described the gray as Almost had a limp. I don't know what almost had a limp means, but um, so it was just weird. The whole thing was weird. It wasn't like any typical gray anything they had seen. So there does seem to be that. And the men in black, a lot of people seem to think are hybrids, um, some kind of cross between human, human, or human reps or something. I don't know, but I know that but for the most part, um, these are just everyday U.S. people who have held whatever positions that are looking for this technology and this understanding. They're trying to recruit, you know, telepaths, anybody they can get. They they really want to know what the ETs are up to. I mean, what what does Uncle ET want? You know, why is he here? Why did ET introduce RH negative? Are they making a better, leaner, cleaner food? Is that what's going on here? I mean, for the government, this is a nightmare. For any any, I, I think it's why they don't tell the presidents because you ever notice. When a president gets in office, they're all pretty brown-haired and stuff, and when they come out, they're all snow-white-haired, regardless what age they are. So I know Obama dyed his hair for a while, but he finally said to hell with it too. But um, it's, it's, it's one of those things. So really, do you want to add that kind of stress to an already stressed individual? I don't think there's a need to tell a president unless there's something you know that's going on with the aliens where a president has to know. And the last president that probably knew was um, – and this is another thing, by the way. The last two presidents that we, we estimate knew, which is George Bush Sr. and Ronald Reagan, both, well, Reagan got Alzheimer's. Bush got something close to it. Hmm, I don't know what that means. Maybe they're scared they're going to come out with their memoirs or something. Oh, actually, no, we, you, you just missed it. Um, I'll get in. There's a new RSS feed. It's on Podcard, Pod, Podcast Gardens. Damn it, we'll get that out sooner or later. Um, or you can go over to SoundCloud. But we have, and there is a new iTunes link as well. Yeah, there's a new iTunes link that you can use as well. Uh, all this will be posted to the websites over the next couple of days. Um, I know we've got to get it posted to three of the websites. Matt, I'm glad to see you in the room. I talked with John, by the way, and I uh, popped him off an email tonight, so hopefully him and I will catch up over the next week or two. I'll free up a little time for that. Thanks for the email, by the way, because I probably would ignore it without your email. Um, <clears throat> no, no, you know. Those make a difference. People who can get straight into my regular email, like the one you have, it's a whole different uh, thing. It's much easier to get hold to me when you have that email address. All the rest of them get so overwhelmed that it's... Yeah, 
the GoDaddy site will be back up um, two days from now on the 28th. Um, but I can't tell you how long it's going to stay up. It, it just it just gets slammed. It, it really, really just gets slammed. I mean, I'm proud that our station's doing so well, but it really sucks that the archives are down in less than eight days. Um, I, I I would I would want to think that Travis was probably a great contactee. Um, it's one of those things. Yeah, well, you better not. I sent you a good one today. Uh, Melinda Leslie is great. I uh, like talking to Melinda. Leslie and I are great friends. Uh, last time I talked to her was about a year ago. She's working down in um, Sedona, Arizona, doing Skywatch tours at night, taking you out with the, with the 3D scopes, and so you can go out and see, and card reading. Uh, she's a tar turret reader, so go down and see her. Melinda's a lot of fun. It, Besides, even if you just go sit and talk, Melinda, no terror, no UFOs, Melinda's just a lot of fun. She's 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 easygoing. She's a blast to talk to. Uh, she's got one of the uh, it's a show I did with her that's ranked in the top three shows over the whole entire network for its entire existence. Um, and it was uh, one of the shows we did just on on military abductions. Uh, she's a she's you know somehow or another her and I and Randy Copang after Carla Turner died. Um, got coined as the Millab experts. And then about a year after that, and this was because of a Coast to Coast interview, a year after that they decided that myself and my national, uh, my national, not my, my, um, my North America director, uh, that we were generals uh, in control of all the Millabs in the Americas. And that's, they said that's why I promoted Jason to his new title, so that he'd have free room to run around and do uh, military abductions across the um, North America. I was like, really? And wait, and the funny part about this was, is the last conference I attended, someone actually came up and asked me about it. I've gotten several emails and several phone calls about it. And it, it just always cracks me up. Everybody, I mean, if you listen to me for more than a month, you have to know that that's not what we do or who we are or have anything to do with. <laughs> hey, rumors are rumors. Yes. Great. As far as I know, none. There's none that we can prove. Let's put it like that. There's none that we can prove. Um, I would. What I would really like to see, and I don't know how we could ever find this. I, I would really like to find out what the the president's blood types are. Well, Carter sure saw a UFO. Bush saw a UFO. Um, there's like four or five presidents who saw weird stuff, but none of. You know, of course, Vada theory is right that if you see a UFO, you're a contact evil, and that would make Carter an abductee, but. Carter's awful dumb to be an abductee. I hate to say that, but he, he, you know, I don't know if Carter was so much dumb or if he just got a bad rap. But whatever it was, mm, I'm not sure. But Reagan knew, which means he was probably a contactee. That's probably how Reagan found. He probably woke up on a damn table. Don't you know I'm the bleeping bleeping president of the bleeping bleeping? I will shoot a laser up your bleeping bleeping gray bleeping hole, buddy. Uh, and of course, the Grays probably laughed or happy little, little whatever butts off or something, whatever they got. Um, but I, no, I'm, I'm thinking about. It. I mean, if you're a president of the most powerful nation on the planet, and you wake up and there's some little three foot gray got you held down on a table with one hand, and you're, you, you're not going to be sweet about it. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Just think about, just think about whatever gray abducts Hillary Clinton. Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't even want to think about that one. Uh, She'd be smacking the gray around and stuff, grabbing by his little ball head, smack, smack, smack. Anyway, we're not going to get into that tonight for sure, but it would be it would be 
it would be amusing. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but getting back on topic again, because I know we got about five minutes for break. The, mil- the, the military abductions is an important part. Now, I've been making light of it tonight, and, 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 but I want people to understand this is a real scenario that goes on that really Fs people up. Here you are, your average, let's see, who's in the room? Last name, we're going to use Kathy, because Kathy's last on the list. So here's little Kathy, and there she's all getting in bed one night, she's getting all comfortable and snuggling up, and she looks, and cracks her eyes, and looks up, and there's little Gray standing at the foot of her bed with one of the little light things on his hand, and you're going, oh, shit. Next thing you know, you're on the ship, blah, 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 happens, bam, you're back at your house. So you open up your eyes now, and you're like, what happened just happened? What the hell just happened? So now Kathy's all sitting in bed, half to travel, dress. She's like, what the hell? And when she looks up, oh, my God, there's three guys standing in her bedroom. Now, she's a woman, and there's three guys standing there. Any number of things could be going through her head at this point, none of which would be polite or nice or, or any way along those lines because these are three uninvited men in her house at this point. At this point, they walk over. You know, She's probably screaming, kicking in terror, hollering. They use this little thing that, that puts you out, and it puts you out really fast, and puff your limb. One, one guy loops each arm out, and here they go dragging her out the house. Now, you know, I've always wondered about this. How do they drag you out the house in the middle of the day, people looking in your neighborhood, what's going on? Well, do they do it at night? Well, it's possible they do it at night. But we found out something by accident of all things. There was in... Um, Somewhere in Arizona, uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. It was a community in Flagstaff, Arizona. It was a neighborhood. And this lady was talking about being kidnapped and taken and contacted, and these weird groups were taken and all. And uh, they had had a a neighborhood watch meeting. And they had come to find out on a particular night, it was a spring night, it was a particular night, everyone was out. The, The guy had come in from the store from the neighborhood watch and had gone on and he said, Everything was off. All the lights were down in the neighborhood. It was like the power was out for four or five blocks. He said everywhere he went and knocked on the door and no one answered. He said he could even look in windows and some people were sleeping on a couch or sleeping in a chair, but they were out. Well, there was a study done. Uh, uh, some of the air conditioner guys had come in where there were, people were complaining about um, stuff messing with their eyes and their, their nose and their sinuses and their assist systems. And this, Fairly decent neighborhood, you know, middle, middle class. So they come in and start testing, and they find out they found a sleep agent, a highly, um, one that's rarely used, even heard of, in these people's vents. Now, it ran about three stories, and then poof, it disappeared. And they never heard about it again. It went the way of the dodo bird. Recently, a friend of mine pointed to, a, a t- pointed to another story like it in Tacoma, Washington, where there was a neighborhood that it seemed like the police pulled in this neighborhood and nobody was answering, responding, or anything. What had happened off, a couple of alarms had gone off, and then they just shut off. Everything just shut off. So the cops were sent out, and they were knocking on doors, and uh, the cops reported seeing a bright light. Next thing they knew, it was early in the morning, and they were waking up, and uh, the cops said he felt groggy, like he had been drugged or something. Uh, he says he remembers hearing what sounded like a low-muffled helicopter, like a helicopter with a baffle on it or something. Uh, in case y'all are not familiar, certain helicopters we use have baffles, which make them, they go into that boom, 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 boom sound. It really muffles the audio down really, really low. So they got to get right up on you to hear them. And um, you know, when you hear one of these, you know they're fairly close. And so it's a different sound. And if you ever heard it, you'll recognize it. Don't, don't get me wrong. You'll know this sound if you hear it. Um, 
So they were tested. They had some sleep agent in their blood, and I think there was 11 homes found with it as well. So what it looks like they're doing is they come over. They're going to take these people. Let's say they come over and just basically uh, anesthetize a six or seven block area for you know an hour or two, and do what they got to do, and then go. I'm not even you know I'm not even sure what else they're doing. Because it's not alien stuff. Because uh, the way they got to be put back and the way they got to be taken out, it's not like when the, the gray flies open zap you out of your house and nobody sees you. No, these guys actually make mistakes. And it was funny because a friend of mine the other day was saying, "Well, maybe that's what they were doing with a cattle, Joe, practicing." I never really thought of it like that, but it could be true. Oh, don't ask me, Ben. God, I'll look and see what's going on there. It's um. Anyway, I know we got to go take a break. I was going to get into another subject, but I want to. When we come back, we're going to really start getting into the meat and potatoes of what goes on in the mill labs. I'll open the phone lines up probably fifteen twenty minutes after we're in. But um, you know, I really want to kind of get into the meat and potatoes of what a military abduction is. What can you expect? What's going to happen to you? How should you react? Should you tell them to take a fly and you know what? You know things along those lines. But let me cue us up some music right quick, and uh, we'll be on our merry little way to the break. And I'll see y'all in just about mm, 10 minutes or so. Yeah, that sounds good. 10 minutes. See y'all in a minute, guys. Join us in the chat room. Visit paltalk.com. Go to the social issues, select other, and enter the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. The paranormal, ghosts, spirits, demons, reincarnation, past lives, the afterlife, divination, exorcisms, witchcraft, the unseen. He's psychic medium Chris George. And he's Victor the Voice Fireman. We are Second Sight Radio. Join us live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. You've got to listen to ICAR. That's International Community for Alien Research. www.icar1.com. I should know. I'm Irish. Truth is reality. The connection is you. Check out Catherine Buckley. Truth Connections Radio, Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on 107.7 FM, the Paranormal Radio Network. Cemetery with your hosts Chip and Nicole every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Exclusively on the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. We delve into UFOs, abductions, ghosts, aliens, conspiracies, and cryptozoology. And how could you ever forget about those creepy topics you won't hear on your local news? This is where I would insert my obligatory skeptical statement. The Mind Cemetery, where the paranoia about the paranormal comes to rest. Follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on Facebook. 
Also check us out on our website, MindCemetery.com, for show updates and the critically acclaimed Mind Cemetery blog. It's not critically acclaimed, but you should check it out anyway, MindCemetery.com. Hi, I'm Stephanie Benetti, and along with Joe Montaldo, we host News on the Flip Side. Come join us every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Central for our three-hour program. We have opinions on everything, and we're not afraid to share them. False history gets made all day, every day. The truth of the new is never on the news, but you can find it here with News on the Flip Side. Remember, don't be politically correct. Just be correct. Join us. Tune in to UFO Undercover, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Welcome back to hour number two. Joe Montaldo's back live. I'm going to kick some more butt. I had a lot of fun first hour. We just blew through it like it was nothing. I mean, <clears throat> the first hour of the show was like warp speed, man. I mean, uh, it just zapped through there. A lot of good material in the first hour. Though if you missed the first, ladies and gentlemen, it will be available in the archives in about, well, about 15 minutes after the show tonight. It will be available on GoDaddy, but not until uh, Friday, I believe, uh, which you'll be able to get it there. But you can pick it at www.soundcloud.com. Uh, forward slash UPRN. That is one of our art new archive sites. You can also find it at Podcast Gardens. I will be there. We're under the news and social issues. I mean, news and politics category. You can find us there. And remember, now there's two stations. Now there's UPRN Talk Radio, which is United Public Radio, and then there, of course, is the UFO Paranormal Alien <laughs> Alien Network. <laughs> Uh, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? UFO Paranormal Alien Network, huh? <clears throat> anyway, y'all know what I mean. <laughs> I might have to change the name of that. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, that was a Freudian slip. I guess that's whoever says we were the general in charge of Millwaves. They can bite me. Uh, Gina, a couple of quick things, and I'm going to get back into this real quick. Uh, do I think Stan Romanak is being messed with by the, you mean, Millwaves right now? I have no idea, but. I really don't have a comment on on on, on Stan Romanek. I didn't do. You see, this this is the hard part for me here. You know, I met Lisa. Lisa's a nice woman. And all. I never really met Stan. I've talked to him once or twice, but just in passing, no no investigation. Icar actually chose not to investigate Stan Romanek. Um, for us, he didn't meet what Icar considers abduction criteria. 
So we never really we I was gonna have Patrice Sheridan, our Washington DC director, and Phil Torrey, who's our Colorado State Director, uh go out investing. But when we talked one night, the four of us were talking one night and um we got to discussing it and really the case was not what we considered to be inside the norm. Could he be being harassed by the US government? Yes he could be. Could he could this be fake? Yes it could be, but I'm not the one to ask because I really don't know. Okay. Uh, frankly, at this point, it's a wait and see kind of thing. Uh, you know, you know, it really is just a wait and kind of wait and kind of see uh, what's going to happen here. And I, and I really don't like talking about fully ufologists. Um, I'll just have to be like the rest of them. There are plenty of outspoken people about this on both sides. Uh, matter of fact, the last year. Oh, by the way, I needed to clarify too. Uh, I know I didn't post last week's show. It will go up this week sometime. I just had, had not had enough time to edit the show. I have to split the, the two pieces. The first hour will be up by itself with David Jacob and I. And the last two hours, uh, there was two hours additional we ran over that night, will be myself, Jason Wilson, Chip Plesher, um, Jeffrey Pritchett, Stephanie Benetti. That's five of the hosts on the network. And uh, three callers. So there's eight of us in this queue. And guess what we're discussing? So, if you want to know what what people think about Stan or not think about Stan on it, you will be able to listen to that archive. It will be available uh, sometime this week. And uh, I got a five day holiday coming up because it is Las Tons Roulet, you know, or in, like we say down here, Bon Tons Roulet. You know what Bon Tons Roulet means? Let the good times roll. It's Mardi Gras here in the city, guys. Yes, it is party starting Friday until Wednesday. There will not be a sober person from here. To Pensacola, Florida, actually from here to Miami, Florida, nowhere at all. Yes, and there will be no violence and no accidents. You figure it out. Um, Mardi Gras is a great thing down here, and we have a lot of fun. The only, you know, Mardi Gras must be like a great thing for extraterrestrials. Um, you know, it must, must be, yeah, March 4th is Mardi Gras Day, in case anybody wants to know. But Mardi Gras must be a great thing for extraterrestrials because, you know, these people are so wiped out down here. They're like, yeah, and what's really funny is, you know, there are a lot of locals that attend Mardi Gras. About half the locals go to Mardi Gras. But the other half, of course, people from around the world and around the country. I think they said four million this year. And um, it is so funny because they're in a foreign city and they, they just act crazy, ripping off clothes, skin flashing everywhere uh, because it's not their hometown. And in New Orleans, they usually will not um, arrest you for showing your chest. Anything more than that, uh, it's borderline. They may not arrest you. They might arrest you. You just never know. And I've seen them pull this this girl dressed in a nurse suit one night off of a balcony. She was, um, well, she was riding the balcony like it was a horse, so <laughs> they didn't appreciate it. Um, but Bourbon Street gets wild. And um, one, other, one other friendly piece of advice. If you are claustrophobic or you don't like being touched, don't come to Mardi Gras. Because when you get on Bourbon Street, on Mardi Gras night or the night before, on Lundi Gras or any other weekend that before, you're going to be touched in places that you didn't even think was possible to get touched in. I'm just telling you now, I'm warning you, a friendly warning. When you're going through that crowd, it is so packed. I mean, the crowd's swaying and moving. And even though you're walking through it, you're still swaying and moving. There are hands everywhere. And you don't even know whose hands they are or where their hands have been prior. But just know, don't get upset if somebody touches you. Uh, it's just one of those things. Well, if you don't go to that end of Bourbon Street Starship, you ain't got to worry about that. Um, it's, it's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. It's a lot of fun. It's a good time for everybody to be had. Just don't get stupid. 
Uh, and, and the reason New Orleans hosted is because no other city in the country can figure out how to host it without having some kind of major catastrophe after it. I actually heard uh, New York's mayor the other day on TV. He had been sent a petition to do Mardi Gras in New York, and he wrote back to it. He said, no, nah, no, nah, I think we're going to leave that for New Orleans. I remember what happened in Seattle, right? He said, nah, nah, we're going we're to leave that kind of crowd control for them down there. Yeah, they don't want to mess with that. It's, it's because the locals, it's more important for people to understand, the locals have to have a certain mindset for Mardi Gras to be successful. They can't mind people passing out in their yard. They can't mind people peeing on the trees. You know, all this stuff's going to be cleaned up after Mardi Gras anyway, but you can't lose your cool. You can't hate on the tourists. You know, and another thing, it's like if you're famous and you come down here, nobody bothers you. We don't care. You know, every, I, I can think of two dozen famous people in the last two years have been down here. Two of them actually left because, here you go. What's his name that had the house down here? Oh, what's his name? Uh, you know, good-looking guy. He played with John Travolta and Nicholas Cage. He said he had to go to another city because he thought that his popularity was waning because nobody even said hi to him down here. He said he was walking in and out of clubs like they were nothing. Nobody did. They just ignored him. And it's, 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 a, man, it's a mindset to the locals. There's a lot of famous people from New Orleans, so it's, it's a mindset. And there's a lot of famous people that come to the quarter. So it's just a mindset. You, we, if we want them down here, we know to leave them alone. And we leave them alone, they keep coming. John Goodman said it was just like, <laughs> it's just incredible. Just, yeah, you know, you, he said he would have to start conversations with people. And uh, I always just thought it was fun. You know, it's fun. It's, it's, it's the way a town should be. It really is. Um, but we've got our bad things, too, you know, like everybody else does. Plus, we've got extra test rails down here, too. Um, oh, no, Kathy, uh, I mean, uh, Karen, the case you're talking about is the, um, oh, I forgot the name. Right as you said it, I knew the name, too. Linda Castillo, no, not Linda Castillo, Linda Carter. Um, anyway, she's the one that was taken in New York City uh, when the ambassador and the two Secret Service guys saw it. Yeah, all three of them gave testimony to this. Yeah, they did, actually. Uh, one of the Secret Service guys was in the nut house. The other guy went somewhere else. Never heard anything back from the ambassador. Actually, I think somebody told me he was dead. Um, he, he, but they witnessed, uh, I think it was Linda Castillo being taken uh, from her bedroom window, like 60 stories up in New York City. It's a great case. There's a book about it. And all. It's, a, it's a great case. You should check it out. Uh, Dean, to answer your question before I get back on the Millad thing, my all-time favorite case for UFOs is Shag Harbor. Yeah, it's my favorite case. There's, there's cases out there that are comparably as good, but Shag Harbor for me was a great case because no one thought it was a UFO. Everybody thought it was a, a, a small plane crashing. Until the thing took off underwater, no one thought it was a UFO. It went under the water. This big yellow foamy shit was all over the water. And the guys who were out there rolling in boats thinking they would find survivors, and the thing took off and went out the sound and just took off. It's um, it is it is wild. You mean number wise, the biggest number wise? Uh, I don't know. I mean, um, let's see. There's the New York City case where what a million people reported seeing a UFO. So if it's true that um, people who see UFOs are contactees, that's a big one. That's a big one. New York, any city, any large cities, um, they can have large popula large abductions. You know, everybody wants to think that this is one person out of every. You know, five billion or something, but it's not. There's a lot of people being taken. Um, the, like the Mexico City case, it's a particularly interesting case because there's 20. At the time, there was 22 or 26 million people in Mexico City. It was the largest city in the world, um, population-wise. 
This thing hovered over Mexico City for 24 hours. Over a million people reported seeing it, including the fire chief, the mayor, several pastors and, and, uh, and padres and stuff like that reported seeing it. And there was a lot of video taken um, off, the, off of different places in the church. And if you've ever watched in the movie Signs, when you see a bird fly into the spaceship and fall down, that's where that came from, from that Mexico City sighting. That's what they said happened. That's how they figured it was there. And a, a bird, actually it was a flock of birds, flew into it and fell down. And it left marks, and you could actually see where the birds had hit. I guess it was blood and feathers. And then as the, the, the cloud bank came in or the fog came in, you could see it actually kind of engulfed. You could see it engulfing around the thing. It's a wild one. It's, it's crazy. But it's almost impossible to find anything on it anymore. It's like the sunken city off the coast of Mexico. It's almost impossible. Somebody out there is scrubbing the net. I don't know who it is, but somebody's doing it. Um, because more and more of this stuff is getting harder to find. That's why I tell people, when you find something, make a copy. Make a copy. Make several copies if you want. I'll tell you what I did on – which computer is it? On this computer right over, over my right side, it actually has the satellite photo of the sunken city off the coast of Cuba. Yes, it does. I kept it because everybody, oh, ain't no such thing. Really? Here, let me show you the, the, the satellite picture, the U.S. military satellite picture. Uh, it actually wasn't the U.S. military. It was the, um, um, oh, how do they call them? Not archaeology, um, not economy. Anyway, it's the guys who are interested in the soil composition, stuff like that around the planet. Uh, they found it. They just found it. Uh, they were scanning, and there it was. And it's big. You can't doubt it. It's on the northern side, uh, or I should say the southern side of uh, Cuba. It's inside of a protected waterway. And it looks like at one time, this, where this, you can see there's a ring around it. So something must have happened. It might have been a top of a volcano or something, but it must have dropped down. But at one time, it was actually above the water. I think it's like 1,800 feet or something. Um, some of the divers described pyramids that dwarf the pyramids in Giza. Uh, they said all three of the pyramids of Giza could fit inside of one of these. Uh, you can clearly see from the video, I mean from the photograph, and I think it's still available, but you can clearly see from the photograph what looks to be a runway on the side of two of the pyramids going, you know, you know how runways make the triangle. Um, it looks like a runway. What it is, I don't know, but it looks like a runway. But what bothers me about this is the lack of information and the lack of people talking about it, because you could say if it was just Cuba, that's why it was kept a secret. But the British Archaeological Society teamed up with Cuba along with an American diver group to go survey this place. All of a sudden, nobody wants to talk about it. What the hell? Um, those kind of things bother me. Yeah, it just bothers me. It, it, if, if it wasn't real, they just lent credence to it being real by sh hushing it up. Uh, a lot of people want to say it's the sunken city of Atlantis. It may be, it may not be. It's near the Bimini Island, Bimini, Bimini Roads. That whole section up there, uh, recently I've been listening to a lot of um, people that, that study, like Platonics and stuff, talking about they really think that the Gulf of Mexico, the, um, the eastern side of the Gulf of Mexico was raised. They think there was only a little channel that used to feed the Gulf down near, uh, in between uh, Haiti and South America, they think there used to be just a little, uh, like a canal in there. Uh, all the rest of that was raised, and they think it was raised quite high. They thought it was, it was a much more mountainous region. Uh, so something happened. There's some kind of collapse happened. Some pre-time, some, something dropped. You know, you never know today. I mean, we could be just sitting here all of a sudden, and something just drop off the side of the cliff or something. It's, you know, the planet's moving underneath us every day. It moves along every day. We just ride on top of it like little insects, not even paying attention. 
Um, and, and we're worried about aliens. We can't even tell what's going on on our own planet. But more importantly, um, let's let's say this. Who, who are we going to pick on now? Where's Benetti at? I know she's in here somewhere. Yeah, let's pick on Benetti. So, you know, Benetti's sitting at her house in New York. She just She's out walking her dogs on the beach like she likes to do. La, 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 la. You know, she's out there. It might be snowing. It might be raining. Whatever. La, 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 la. She's out there with the hound dogs. The dogs are probably, probably. But anyway, she's walking along with the dogs and and she sees a light in the sky, and, and she's like, where's the light? And then all of a sudden, she turns to her shoulder, and she notices there's lights on the beach, ground level. Maybe a truck, maybe a car, maybe an ATV. It runs up on her, and the next thing she knows, she's waking up in some room sitting in a chair. And she's just like, whoa, you know, what the, mm? and she, you know, she got a mouth on her sometimes, so she's probably like, what the, bleep, 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 bleeping going on here. And, and, you know, I imagine she may be swinging, popping some people as well. So now she's there. So they come in. They either use a needle or these little things that fit over your face and they spray it. It's a, it's a mix of sodium amethyl, sodium pentothal, um, some other drug I've never personally heard of, and uh, like a liquid volume or liquid demerol. It makes you very, very, very suggestible to thoughts, to anybody's whatever. So, you know, now, now, now she's all like, yeah, hi, I'm Stephanie. You know, I host news on the flip side. How y'all doing tonight? Well, Steph, have you ever seen an alien? And then, of course, you know, now they've got your mindset. They're going to bring you on there. They'll put you on there. They'll hypnotize you. If they have good telepaths, they might use them. But now they have you. So this is when it starts. You know, they're, they're trying to find information. And they will use lots of forms. They'll try to do it nice at first, but if you're not cooperative, they can get rough. You know, they want to know what's in your head. And if you're somebody who has contact with somebody that does, or if, you, if you've been a contactee who's been outspoken about aircraft propulsions or, or navigation systems or teacher systems or any of the onboard systems or any of the other worlds or any of that stuff, they're interested in that. But now, they, they can only go so far because in the end, these guys do worry about retaliation from the aliens. You know, it, well, that, and I'll get to that in a minute, but they, um, they do fear some retaliation. So they can't really kill the contactee or really do any real damage because, you know, Bob the Reptilian or John the Human or Silly Billy the Gray may came up and give you a good solid probing over it. So... They don't want to do that, but they want to find out. And I notice the aliens will let them go so far, but like I said earlier in the show, the greys will intervene. They will come in and take a grey contactee away from a government group if they think that the contactee is in risk or about to reveal something that otherwise shouldn't be revealed. Don't ever forget, especially with the grey contactees, they keep a telepathic link with all their contactees at all times. Uh, it may be a low level, you know, in the back of your head kind of thing, but it's there. And they're, they're paying attention. And then, you know, imagine they do like keywords like everybody else. Something that you hear say sets it off and they start paying attention uh, to what's going on around you. Uh, and they will retrieve you. Uh, it's not every time, though, and it's only in those certain cases. That, as far as reptilian humans go, I, don't, I haven't got any cases of our own that says that. I couldn't rule it out, mind you, but I don't personally have any cases that says that. They seem to... Um, you know, do it now. Maybe they, maybe they just call the Grays. Maybe that's what they do. They say, "Hey, this is Bob the Reptilian. Hey, Billy Gray. You know, uh, they took one of my contactees the other day, and they're doing some pretty horrific crap. And I'm scared. You know, she's going to 
divulge, and the grave might say, okay, Billy, we'll go pick them up for you and bring them back to you. Uh, we don't actually know how that relationship works between those three aliens. I know in the beginning, everybody always thought that the greys work for the humans and the reptilians and all, but now we know that's not true. Now we know the gray is the more advanced of all the aliens visiting the planet, with maybe the exception of the light beings. And I don't know what's more advanced than that, maybe God. Um, other than that, though, the greys seem to be the more advanced. They're the ones with the ships that can be grown. Uh, they're the ones that seem to have unlimited lifespans, the ability to upload and download their consciousness from one body to another. Uh, they seem to be just in a, in a much different state of existence than we are, and, and even a higher existence state than the other two races that they deal with. And I don't want to take anything away from the Greys and Reptilians because in a magnitude of evolution, they're a million years ahead of us, maybe more than that. I mean, that's a, a guess, but they're at least a million years more ahead of us. Um, and so the thing about it is when you have those types of technologies, you got to pay attention, but I don't. I don't think that. Like I said, I, I really don't think that the Greys, the the other two races, do they probably ask the Greys to do it for them? Uh, and I can't prove that, mind you. <laughs> Whatever pain in the ass. Uh, but I don't. I don't uh, think they do that like that. But anyway, getting back to that. So now they, they've got Stephanie. They've got her, you know, tied up in this chair. Probably didn't put a gag in her mouth by now because she can talk when she wants to. And now they're giving her another shot. They're bringing in some more hypnosis. They get her down, you know, really. Now she's really, really loaded. She's like, what? Barely can hold up her eyes open, you know. Now here comes the technician. He comes in. He sits down. He gets into that low, monotone voice, and he starts talking her down, talking her down, talking her down, talking her down, talking her down. She's liable to reveal stuff at this point. Uh, between the drugs and the technique, she's liable to real, real something. Now, if these are blocks, in other words, if one of the races put a block in there, it's going to be a lot harder for them to break it. It's going to take more than drugs. It may even take some drugs and a little bit of uh, some physical roughness uh, to really make them people want to break that block. You, know, you, need to, you need to either make the contact that you want to break it or fear it enough that they, they subconsciously or sub, well, their subconscious can break it. Um, that's rare, and that's really stressing a mill lab. Most mill labs will give them, I mean, most, most contactees will give the mill lab people what they remember, you know, because they're scared. Now, yeah, well, you know, this great picked me up and did this, this, that, and the other thing, and they'll tell them. Well, that's fine. No, nobody really cares about that. What they really care about is the stuff that's locked down and you had and blocked. And they, they, for whatever reason, the aliens feel the need to block that information. That's what's going on. And that's what they don't want being told. And, you know, there's a couple little stories I heard now, when I first started doing military abductions. I started looking at some of Carl Turner's cases and a few other cases. By the way, she's the, um, what I would call the mother or father of modern military abduction research. Um, but still, you know, I started looking at her cases and some other cases. And they can, be, they can be harsh. They can be hard. I mean, they've been known to really rough people up, men, women, you know, degrading things, stuff that, you know, you just want them to quit. You'll do anything just to make them stop. Um, but then, like I said, sometimes there's repercussions from that from the aliens. So it's, it's a tight line they have to walk uh, to try to retrieve the information that they're trying to retrieve. Um, so there's a lot of information there to be retrieved. There's a lot of stuff. Um, that, guys, I'm going to take calls in about five minutes. Uh, I see a lines. I got like eight people in line, but uh, give me five minutes, guys, and I'll open up the lines. Um, but you know, you they 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 they're in this box. It's like a time box. It's like a timeout box. But you know, here they are. They they got to get in, get this information with whatever methods they can. No, no, that's okay. I want y'all to call in just in in, in about five minutes. Um, 
it's um, the way it, the way it pushes these contactees is you know it's get in, use as much as you can to get it out, but without destroying or disabling the contactees so you don't in fear the wrath of whatever extraterrestrial may be here. It's a tough line. I mean, I've heard of women being raped. I've heard of men being raped, by the way. I've heard of people being beat up, slapped around, knocked around, drugged. I've heard of them using devices. Uh, I've also heard about them using fake aliens, people dressed up like greys or manis. The favorite one seems to be the manis for some reason. You know, this manis thing's come up a few times as a, a puppet for the reptilians, an actual physical puppet. Uh, it's been uh, humans have dressed up in them. Whether it's a real manis race or not, I don't know now. I, you just got to kind of wonder. You know, you just got to kind of wonder. And to see some, what somebody wrote in the room, no, this information is not going to help Joe Public because the government wants it for themselves. Or not even the government, whoever this group is wants it for itself. It might make the next great invention, a new pad, whatever it may create. Uh, it may be the next great invention may come from whatever they retrieve. Plus, I think some of these people are really wanting to know what's going on. And there's this, a, 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 a level of fear in here. You know, maybe the Greys do want to take this over. Maybe they want to make us a more leaner diet. You know, Americans are pretty fat these days. They might want to lean us down before they start eating us. You know, we're high in cholesterol. It's a joke, guys, but still. Um, you just don't know. And, and I stress this all the time because humans are so arrogant and so egotistical, they get themselves in this lock. This is not about us. This is about them. Don't ever make the mistake that this is about us. The Greys have an agenda. We're part of that agenda. We're not all of the agenda. We're not even a big part. We're just a part of their agenda. Just like we're part of the reptilian and human agendas. These are advanced races that have other colonies and other worlds, home worlds, advanced technologies. They're running an experiment here that we're part of. Now, for me personally, I'm hoping we're the good part, and there's no reason to flush us down the toilet or any other namely bad ideas that they could do to us. Um, the reptilians seem to think of us like kissing cousins, kind of. They don't want to see anything happen. The humans just think we're like trash cousins. The reptilians, with the exception of a few. Uh, and then um, the reptilians really do think of us like family. Maybe because we both developed on this planet. But whatever reason it is, they do think of us as family. It's not that they won't take in. It's not that they won't do shit to you. But uh, they do think more of us. The greys, the greys are funny. Until you understand the greys, you're thinking that they're this, this like Spock kind of guy, no emotions, no nothing, but they're not. The Greys actually have emotions, and they can have strong, intense emotions when they do. Maybe that's why they keep them tight so much, maybe because they're more intense than us. Who knows? Um, but I have heard people tell me when they've gotten into their Greys' head by accident, or like when we send questions, you know, we, we, we program contactees to ask questions subconsciously. Uh, the Greys sometimes punish them for it, but they still act like a proud parent, like, oh, did you see? My contact, you could get into my head. I bet you're skin. Shit like that. So you know there's some pride there. There's some ego there. You know, I've learned now over the years that the Greys do have an ego. They do have emotions. They have much better control of it than any of the rest of us seem to or anybody else seems to. But they do have it. So it's not a unique test. We know the reptilians have emotions. Shit, their emotions are just as bad as ours. They're just as flaky as we are. Just more advanced. And I'm pretty sure the humans are just as flaky as we are. Uh, the Greys just seem to have it more under control. They're an older race, wiser race, smarter race. Um, but, you know, the reptilians and the humans get into it, have, have gotten into it in the past and have tried to get into it in the present. And uh, so they're not as mature as a race. They're not that much more uh, mature than we are. 
You know, they're just way the hell more advanced. But think of it like this. Look at humans 2,000 years ago. Humans 2,000 years ago and humans today are basically the same humans. There's no real difference. We have cars and planes and bathrooms and toilets and all kind of wonderful stuff, pads and pods and you name it. But we're still basically the same human. We haven't ended war. We haven't ended starvation. And not everybody has a home. Um, we're still basically third world Earth. We haven't moved beyond that. We're not a united planet. We're not a one government. We're not feeding and, and educating the poor and the sick and the infirm. We're not taking care of the elderly. We're not there yet. may not be there for a long, long, long time to come. These other races are. And it gives them a, a psychological and a physical advantage. Because look at it like this. Think about, you know, America's working on this, Russia's working on this, China's working on this. Let's say we take China's top scientists, Japan's top scientists, India's top scientists, Russia's top scientists, China's top scientists, America's top scientists, throw them in a thing, tell them we need this. Your chances just improved immensely that we're going to get what we need, and we're going to get it in a timely fashion. Right now, we're fighting against each other. We're sabotaging each other. We're stealing each other's ideas. We're nowhere near ready for any kind of galactic anything. Uh, so, and the aliens know it. But they do, they do seem, I hate to use the word care, but they, they, they do seem in, in some way to care because, you know, I say this all the time. If it was about us, uh, they would have enlightened our species or educated our species or something along those lines. You know, I say this a lot. Um, if E.T. was here to wipe us out, we would be dead. Okay, hey, Michael Lewinsky, uh, we would be dead. Uh, yes, if they wanted to wipe us out, we'd be dead. Now, by saying that, and this goes to all my other friends who believe the other way, if they were here to enlighten us and save us and wipe our little heinies for us, we would be an enlightened species. They've been here for a really, 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 really long time. And we're a bunch of dumbasses. So either y'all New Ages aliens are dumbasses, or they're not doing you what you're telling them they're doing, okay? Look, actions speak louder than words. I tell this all the time. Actions speak louder than words. And their actions suggest of a race that's, well, don't really think that highly of humans. You've got to judge them by their actions. Any race will take somebody without asking their permission or asking them to be part of it as a problem. And I ain't buying that bullshit. You soul sign some bullshit. Don't try to crap me say that for somebody else. Um, I've done way too much research to buy into that. And this, is, this should scare y'all even more, y'all soul-searching kind of people. The same gray abducts your entire through your whole family for thousands of years. So, the gray that abducted you is the same gray that abducted your great grandfather five thousand years ago. This guy knows your family intimately. If there's reincarnation, he knows you a hundred times. He knows more about you and your parents and everyone around you than you will ever possibly even understand about your own damn family. You're scared of a Jesus out of people. This is a freaking alien that knows more about you than you do. Um, and that is another reason the government wants the mill labs, because they want that kind of control. They want to know that. If you've been paying attention, we're in the sissification of most of America and half of the world. Uh, they, the government really wants these kind of technologies. You know, the more advanced we get, it, the easier it is to pacify people. You know, come on. How many people right now don't have at least two, three things going on? You know, you're watching people now, they're driving with their pad, they're driving with their telephone, you know, they're sitting having lunch, they're texting on their phone, they're, they're at work, they're doing a job, they're texting on this, texting on that. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, it, 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 we're, we are being distracted from what's really going on, and that's why we're in the trouble we are these days. But uh, the aliens have realized that, and they know we're easily distracted. Throw something shiny around, 
and bobbly and pretty and humans get all distracted. But uh, guys, I'll go ahead and open the phone lines. Hold on, let me move <coughs> this over here. Let me bring up the Skype where I can actually see the box. Oh, I see somebody right there already. Who is that? That looks like Callie. Let's click on that. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, hey, Joe. Callie, Callie as usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway, like I have at least like three three questions for you concerning Metal Labs. So it may increase as. All right. Okay, first of all, like, have the Metal Labs succeeded in getting any Call information that they wanted from. I'm sorry, great, Carl. Right. I, I was just letting other Colin know he's in a cute guy. All right. Okay, Hello. so I guess we'll change. Okay. Right. So, okay, first of all, have the Mellab succeeded in getting any information that they wanted from objectives, and if so, what? Actually, they, they, they've sifted some stuff. They've learned some stuff about the training programs that are going on, the different types of training programs. Matter of fact, a good friend of mine who was in the service said, you can tell, because some of the stuff that the contactees talk about, the U.S. government is starting to implement in its training of soldiers, so um, especially certain types of equipment. You know, it's funny because, um, the, the, you know, the new pack that the Army has, the Army's been having a pack for about 15 years that they can strap to you that basically bends light around you. The reason they haven't been using it is because the damn pack weighs 85 pounds, and running through the marsh or the swamp with an 85-pound pack, plus all the rest of the equipment, is not feasible. But it's getting better and better and better, and eventually it's going to get down to like a five-pound pack, and half our soldiers are going to be running around um, invisible. The point is... is or they, they use exosuits. Yeah. They, they, they really want these technologies. You know, so they're, they're, they're gleaming some of this stuff. They, you know, some of this stuff they can get... And sometimes it's not so much the technology, but the idea. You know, because, you know, everybody gives um, Predator credit for the, what the, the Army's doing today, you know, the movie Predator. I don't know if that's true or not. It was a good movie. You know, the alien did have the loose thing that made him invisible. Uh, and all. So maybe that's true. I mean, maybe it's not. It might be. But one thing I've learned about science in general is science steals a lot from sci-fi. You know, scientists will see something like on Star Trek or somewhere else and say, you know what? I want to invent the tricorder. I want to invent the laser or something like that. The guy who invented lasers said he got the idea from Buck Rogers. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one of them things you've got to kind of wonder about. It. But the same thing with the, with the aliens. They're telling these contactees, showing them this information. The government's coming in and sucking what they can get out of their head, and it does give them new ideas, different directions to walk in and things like that. But I don't think they've gleaned anything serious. Um, I, I, as far as interstellar travel, I don't think they've gotten that. As far as inter, inter solar system travel, we may have achieved that. We may have craft that can go back and forth from Mars and to other places. I mean, the T3s are very advanced. Um, and they're very fast. Yeah, that actually relates to my second question. Like, if they're not getting any more very useful information, why do they keep doing it? Because like, you, don't never ever... know, you never know what contact he's going to break. It's a crapshoot. And sometimes what they do is, like anything else, like when you all hear me talk about doing hypnosis, the more times I have a session with somebody, the easier it gets to put them under. So if they've taken you 5, 10, 15, 20 times, eventually it gets to the point where, boom, they, they bring you in. There's a lot more information retrieved, but still certain things are going to be blocked, and they're going to have a hard time blocking those. And like I said, if, if it gets to a point where it feels like the aliens feel like it's something that could harm them or get in their way, oh, no, they'll come in and take the contact, and they will wipe everybody's memories. Um, there, there was some, you know, some old, old cases back before I was even in ufology about um, a couple of times where they had come in and taken places taking things and did harm to the um, contactees, and the aliens just came in and killed them on the spot. 
Um, but those are all speculations. And, and, and since I've been in research for 30 years, 31 years now, I haven't seen any of that. So I can't say it. But I do see where they do get information because, you know, they're, they're learning about our different programs. They're learning about different technologies. You know, there, there's gravitational fields on these ships. There's anti-gravity fields on these ships. There's all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, who – you know. Half the time, I think Gene Rodmary was a freaking contactee. I'd love to find out what his blood type was. Um, because some of his ideas are straight out of these alien races. I mean, some of this stuff that you see on Star Trek is just straight out of them. And Kirby, yeah, seeing it. You know, you know why I like Babylon 5? And I see what you posted in there. You know why I like Babylon 5? Babylon 5 is the truest representation of any sci-fi series on the way man would get into space how we would act, and how we would be. You should watch this series. It's a five-year series. It's really good. And it's really a truer explanation. We, we don't have these fast and light ships. We don't have ships with gravitational fields. We have ships with rotating sections. We have to go through jump gates. We've got to build bases. We've got to do politics with other races. That's how humans will really be in space, not just freaking Star Trek shit. It'll take eons before we can even achieve that. Uh, You've got to get out there and meet the races before you can be friends with them. And we're not all that good at making friends all the time. Think about our own planet. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> and then we have to heal the right. Yeah. You know, sometimes we, we, we rub people the wrong way or aliens the wrong way. But So we, we, we as a race have a long ways to go before we can even start pushing back against the aliens. And then there's this other thing that always bothers me. And it might be one of the reasons there's so much Milab stuff going on. The Holocaust dreams scare everybody who works in this field. I mean, there's a full one-third of our contactees that have these. And, and the fact that they, they show a, a plague or, or epidemic or some sort of destruction where seven out of nine billion people bite the big one, uh, or you know, how many of it is, six, seven, whatever billion die from the nine or ten billion, uh, it's a scary scenario. And, you know, if you're a human and you're a non-contactee, then it's even more scary because... As far as we know, it sounds like something out of the Bible. Contactees will either be taken or they'll be, because they are contactees, it's in their genes to be protected from the disease, but the rest of them aren't. So, I mean, that's... So, like, it would probably... That's okay. No, I'm, I'm going to let you get another question, Callie, and then I'll, I'll let uh, 405 in a second. But it's one of the reasons why the government's coming in and taking blood samples and skin samples and stuff like that, because they know... If this is true, then there's an antidote inside the contactees already. They'll be naturally immune to it. So what they have to do is find out what it is. So what may end up happening in the end is when all this goes down, you'll have the contactees saved, but you may have pockets of humans and, and military saved because somebody had figured out what it was. It's well within the realm of possibilities. It's just weird because contactees, to talk about these holograph streams, describe all of this stuff. They, they describe a point in time where... Um, the humans are a little more advanced than we are now. I, if I had to pick a time, because, you know, it's hard to say it as far as technology goes, it would be maybe, maybe double the technological level we have here. It took us 100 years to get here, so maybe 50 to 100 years from now. I doubt it's any further than that, though. And, uh, and it could be soon. It could be longer. It's hard to tell because I don't think the aliens tell time the way, way we linearly tell time. I think they have a different understanding of time than we do. But anyway, long story short, that's, that's what it seems to be, and it's one of the things they're looking for. And they are looking for this. They are actively looking for this. And they're looking for it for two reasons. Think of it like this, Calvin. If they can find the cure, then that means they can find the disease. Well, we may not have to wait for the graves. Yeah. Yeah. Then we don't have to wait for the graves to be released, and they might release the damn thing. Yes. 
So, or like maybe find find like what whatever genetic gen code is, allows that immunity, and maybe like virally like introduce it to like whoever people they want, if not the entire yeah. population. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It, it, it would make a great weapon, especially if you had the cure. It'd make an outstanding weapon, and especially if it could be limited and yield the way it does it. You know, these kind of these are scary scenarios, and, and we don't know. But and, and I tell this to people all the time: you have to join judge extraterrestrials by their actions. Okay, let's look at their actions. They abduct people without their permission. Okay, that's bad. But at any given time, they could have just wiped us out. I mean, let's be honest: twenty-five thousand years ago, what were there? Forty million people on the whole planet. It would have been it, with, with spears, no less. Wooden spears. Uh, they could have just wore around one ship with a laser zap, 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 zap. Could have been like a damn uh, Defender game or something. Or what is that one where the thing's flying out the sky? And, uh, just, just, just go around zapping people. Uh, they could have easily wiped everybody out on the planet. They could have let a plague loose then and killed every human on the planet. So obviously they don't want to destroy us. Uh, that's not their goal. But they're not obviously here to enlighten us or advance us either. They stay out of our technological shit. They, you see they're not cleaning up Fukushima for us, are they? Uh, they stay out of external politics on this planet uh, because for them it's different. Let's say we do have a nuclear war and, and half people get wiped out. Well, more than likely they're going to take their contactees off the planet when it happens, so they're going to be safe. As far as an irradiated planet, these are billion-year-old alien race. I think they could clean up our planet. I, I matter of fact, they could probably neutralize the radiation and with probably not much problem at all, and now you've got a pristine planet with nobody on it. Um, so, I, you know... I, I don't want people to think these aliens are here to save us in that light. It, they may be here to save a segment of the population, but I don't think they're here to save the entire population of Earth. I think as far as they're concerned that the, they, they probably feel either the, call, the herd needs to be called or maybe this planet belongs to somebody else because the human race created us as a slave race anyway. This planet might belong to somebody else, and we're squatters. And if that's the case, we, they don't want to d destroy us and wipe us out because – we're now a sentient race, but you can't move 10 billion people to another planet. But you could move a billion and a half and start a good new civilization. So it, it, it's, it's all speculation, though. You know, it's just all sheer speculation, but there's a lot of, a lot of anecdotal evidence to go along with, I guess I should say. Now, if the aliens okay, are well, trying to move, move us to a uh, different planet, uh, what's going to happen to us on that Well, first off, I don't think they'll actually physically take you. What I think they're going to do is... Contact these describe these host bodies on ships all the time, rows and rows and rows. Probably they're going to upload your consciousness to a new body, and that body is going to go to a new world. What bothers me about this part is, okay, and this has always bothered me a little bit, when they upload your consciousness, does this body die? Or is this body still alive and conscious because you, they just took you, they made a copy of your consciousness and put it in a new body? That's a little bothering to me. You know, I, I'm hoping they suck your consciousness out and your body just dies, it's over, and you're on a new ship. I don't like the thought about being splitsoid. Like right now, people talk about host bodies and, and people being beamed on board the ships and they're on ships for months, which means either they're doing a time thing where they're opening and closing at the same time portal, or you're still here because they just uploaded your consciousness, but they have a way to split. So one one guy's here. I don't like that idea. That shit just I, that just does not go over with me, guys. Uh, what it sounds like, it sounds like they fully take you, the essence of you, however they do it, uh, and you die and you're uploaded into a new body. Because they talk about the greys and the humans. They don't really, you don't hear this about the reptilians, but they talk about the greys and humans when they're mortally injured will upload their consciousness into a new body. It's probably where whoever wrote Battlestar Galactica got the damn idea from. Um, yeah. 
and you know that and that probably you mentioned earlier that is the problem with like mind uploads and stuff like that. Like the difference between transferring your consciousness or whatever it is that makes you you, you into a new body yeah. instead of as opposed to making just a mind clone. And that actually that reminds me of something that another guest on the Mind Cemetery mentioned about probably like not preserving just the consciousness but the subconsciousness as well because that seems to be a big part of you as well, like you, how do you, you you have to be able to take the essence of you. So even you got you have to be able to make a complete copy of everything in the brain. You have to somehow another load transfer everything in that head to another one. Uh, mean leaving there's no electrical impulses left behind. Everything everything goes to the other brain. I don't know. I mean, it well, sounds like that's what they that do, do. But, yeah, but they obviously do. And obviously our government's working on this because there was a guy with a chip in his head for a year. Uh, well, he put the chip in his head to see if he could record memories, and it worked. He could record memories. When he retrieved the chip, it worked. It had memories on it. Uh, so it does work. You can do it. So that gave the government an idea of, you know, we could have cloned bodies. In other words, think about a military like this. When someone joins the military or when someone's born, they take a DNA copy. Uh, somewhere they got this lab going, so it's military people, just for military. Uh, you go to war, you get died. They upload just some nasties into the new body. You're brand new again. Um, but yeah. you still have the memory of being killed. How are you going to cope with that? See, some yeah, of the That would be really, really bad because if you already survived death, now you're back alive again. The psychological ramifications of that would probably shatter people's minds. That's what I'm saying. I, it's, you know, maybe for an alien it might be okay because, you know, they've done it before. For a human, but maybe that's why they started with these upload of consciousness into these host bodies to get humans ready for this. It might be why they're doing it. It might be part of the training scenario to get you ready for when this really happens. Because, frankly, most humans would freak. I mean, most, let's say you're standing there, you know, because we've talked about this before on the show, but, you know, we always wondered in the old days, in the 80s, why there were so many UFO reports over graveyards, mortuaries, and hospitals. We couldn't figure it out. You know, hospitals was one thing, but mortuaries and graveyards, what the hell are they doing there? But they have the ability, I guess, to take your essence up until a few days after you're dead, which that bothers me too, by the way. Um, you know, you're dead. What the hell did they just take? And then, then there's this other problem I have. Let's say they are uploading everything. So if you believe there's a soul, so they take everything, including your soul, and they put it in a new body, well, you just got cheated. If there's a heaven, you just got screwed. Unless they, I, I will admit that I would... One at a time. Great, Callie, and then we'll just go. I will admit that uh, I wouldn't mind living forever. Well, no, I'm not going to lie. It. But um, here, here's something that... I want to ask. Yeah, but uh, the Holocaust dreams or whatever. Uh, let's say it's a, I'm going to hypothesize. Let's say it's a virus. There still will probably be a small amount of the population that might be still immune to that. What will happen to them? Not well, to just the very small population that just through natural selection over millions and millions of years, somehow have the pathogens already developed well, in their system? Probably not. Probably what you got is a genetic drug that can probably adjust itself to its, its body. It's probably like a nanite or something like that. But the, the, more importantly is, is they've had thousands and thousands of years to refine it. What it looks like it's going to do, and this is according to the contact these dreams, by the way, is it does seem to mutate some people. And the closest thing I could call them to would be like one of the zombie movies. 
Uh, it's a very small section of the population. But see, what's bothering me here is if we get the contactees, they're being picked up and taken wherever, and it takes several days to get them all. There's military moving around while this is going on, so obviously they're immune to it, or they've gotten a shot that made them immune to it. Later on, you hear a group of contactees talking about uh, like a landing zone or an area was a, an encapsulated small city that was surrounded by fences where they were holding a lot of contactees, people they had gathered you know, while they were moving around, people that were still alive and not infected with whatever this was. Um, but those people describe something, like I said, like, a, like the best thing I can describe it is like a horrific zombie running around or something. But whatever this is. Uh, is kind of like is, I Am Legend? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. But the, it was only a few of them. It wasn't all of them. It wasn't like the whole population went like that. It's very few. It's probably less than a percent of the population. But it did happen to some of them. And then they talk about so, the military doing mass graves on the backsides of cities and stuff, just burying. My, my, my second question to this, Joe, would be what would, they, what would the graves do if they found somebody who was just naturally immune to it? Well, it depends. If they're a contactee, if they're not a contactee, you'd probably wipe them out. <laughs> they probably wipe them out. Okay. The is going to wipe me out. That's basically it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, they're, 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 you know, they. See, it's hard. I mean, let me ask you this. Everybody's in here. How bad do you feel when you step on a mound of ants? Other than when you get bit. I mean, do you really feel remorse for crushing their kingdom no. under your feet? I mean, I so, would. Yeah, well, you see, Cal, you're a lot nicer than the other three assholes. But, I used to put the shout out by <laughs> what type of person I but, but just to say, I mean, you know, I'm not going to feel any remorse for it, so... And this is a civilization. Everybody forgets ants actually have their own little civilization going on down there. they got the worker bees, the queen, I mean, the worker ants, the kings and the queen ants, and all kind of other little things going on down there. They're building big mounds and pyramids, and we're destroying the little damn things. Um, but well, I don't have any remorse People can that. still feel sympathy for things that are lesser than themselves. Like, they can. Even, like, that's how, so, like, well, I don't think it's, like, out of the possibility that they could feel some kind of sympathy. Oh, I think they feel empathy for us. I, I really do. It's not that. I mean, I think in one way they look at us like, you know, oh, you some dumbasses. But in the other way, I think they see a spark. If they didn't see a spark of some kind, we'd be gone. Let's be honest about it. Everybody listening tonight knows that. You know, if there wasn't something that they saw or were interested in, we would be gone. There would be no reason well, here, to keep us around. Here's a question that I'm wondering about. You, you talked about zombies. Uh, I'm going to use it as zombies. Are uh, these the small population of zombies, uh, population of humans who get this virus who turn into zombies or something similar to that? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if someone over, I guess, several hundred years or several years turns back into a human after being that oh, zombie? I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. I think they're going to be wiped off the face of the planet quickly. Uh, from what way uh, okay. he's talking about, anyone that was seen anywhere, whether it was a contactee or a military wiped them out immediately and swiftly. Because you could have a point. They could. You, you, you know, they could revert. We, we just don't know. There's not enough evidence. But it's whatever this is seem to be a very, very small, very minute population. But these holding camps seem to have a lot of damn people in them, and there was a lot of military there. Now, we know all the military ain't contactees. So either they found a natural immunity from somebody or they broke the code and figured it out on their own. But somebody out there, at least at least in this country, I can't speak for any other countries because I don't have enough information on it, but at least in this one, it does seem at least some of them make it. But i got to be honest with you, from the way the contactees talk, this is no whole bars. This is survival of the fittest, and the contactees will take them out if they see the military. Or, cause the military you know, another, way that, 
I'd like to go back oh. to the mill lab thing for a minute there. Yeah. Um, I, I remember you saying in one of your older, older mill lab pod, uh, archives that you said people who get involved who are not abductees will get mill lab as well. Sometimes why, why is that? Because you may learn something from an abductee that could be useful. And since you're a non-contactee, there's no real threat of the aliens coming in and interfering. Now, Joe, I've got to bring something up. Uh, you know about you know the Manhattan pro- – uh, not the Manhattan Project, the uh, CIA project with the mind reading and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Okay. I know you the do know that canceled, and then I know it's a new project. Yeah. But go ahead. Well, you do know that they did, dis- and it's in the reports, they did discover a- that 1% of the population is immune to drug uh, drug-emitting diseases and influences by drugs. 1%. Yeah, it's probably, actually, it's probably actually a little higher than that. Um, but, I mean, and my dad, you could put him on uh, pretty much anything and it wouldn't work. I think the only thing that would work was coniotonic, which is like stuff they put people on that are going to die. i, I got to say, I've never met anybody I couldn't hypnotize, but I don't need drugs to hypnotize somebody. Um, it, you know, See, this is what's really funny about hypno- hypnosis is, the smarter you are, the easier you are to hypnotize. People always say, oh, I can't be hypnotized. And I say, well, you must be dumb as a box of rocks then. Because smart people are easy to hypnotize. They go into really fast, actually. Uh, and, you, and this is an easy thing to prove for anybody listening. You know how you sit and watch a TV show and you just sit and sit and sit and, and all of a sudden you just catch yourself like zombied out on the show? You're not really thinking anything. You're not even really watching the show. You're just kind of sitting and staring and you do it for a long period. You just self-hypnotize yourself. And uh, it's, it's, it's really easy to do when you know how it works. Um, and, uh, so it's not that hard. And like I said, smart people are just easier to hypnotize. Uh, their attention span stronger. They lock in faster. They concentrate harder, so it's easier. But I've never met anybody I couldn't hypnotize. It's, um, I've had a few cases I consider to be hard, uh, but I haven't found any I can't. And, you know, we talked well, about when I was on the show. I'm not even Nick, talking about hypnotize. I'm talking about drugs, using drugs to make it easier. There are some people that actually they found out just have a natural immunity to what they use. Well, yeah, because the, a lot of what they use is in the Barbital families or some of the other families or some of the hallucinogenic families. And that's one of the ones they really like to use because think of it like this. You, you just mill lab this 26-year-old woman. Uh, you bring her in. You drop a hit of acid and probably some really strong stuff into her thing, and then you start talking to her. She, you know she's tripping her ass off. They probably give you two or three hits, so you're like the walls are melting, the lights are melting. You know, you're, you're now tripping, so you're not even thinking about what you're answering half the time because your mind's in some altered state, and they're just asking away question after question after question. And a lot of times they don't get anything, but a lot of times they do get information. So what, what what happens if something's blocked and they're acid? Does it just like does do they not respond? Do they just usually for blocks what they use and and, and Icar uses ourselves, but what they use mostly is a highly advanced um, hypnosis. But they like to use somebody who's telepathic because you can you can send a, um, a calming energy force thought whatever you want to call it. You can send that to the person's mind while you're doing a hypnosis. Uh, that actually makes things much easier. It makes them calm, you know, quite down. But well, some blocks, I've got to be honest, I've, I've broke military blocks on more than one occasion. 
Um, they're sloppy and they're pretty easy to break. Um, reptilian blocks once or twice, three times I broke a few, I broke a couple of humans, a couple of low-level gray blocks, but nothing, nothing that I would consider like high. There's some stuff when you get down around level 10 with somebody that's really just locked in these people's heads. And it, it don't want to come out. It just don't. Sometimes the contact, you can force it and break it. It's rarely ever going to be the therapist that breaks one of those. So that's usually going to be. Now, if you both really telepathic, the two of y'all together could probably break the, break the block that way. But it's, it's tough. Yeah. And they, if, if they don't want you knowing something, they don't want you knowing something, they're not just going to put it in there where it's easy to get to. And they're going to How much do you get when you break one of those big blocks and they really didn't want you to break it? Well, I will tell you in another hypnotherapist, uh, a fairly famous one. Uh, matter of fact, this was in Whitley Strieber's movie. Um, um, when she, not just that, it was also in uh, Taken, where the psychiatrist broke the block, and all of a sudden the lights went out, and the doors opened, and the wind blew, and everybody just kind of freaked because guess who came to visit? Um, probably whatever was learned was blocked again, or reblocked, or erased. Um, certain things we're just not ready to know yet, and they're not going to let us know them no matter what. They're going to come in and retrieve everybody involved and, and do the appropriate measures. And coming into a group of 12 you know, people who are being regressed or in, a, in an open group is an easy thing for them to do. They come in, they, they do their mind thing where they hold everybody in stasis, and they just replant the blocks, or they go in and erase it. Um, so, but they do leave the memory that something happened. That's the cool part. They want you to know. That's what I think is cool about this. Because they'll, re they'll leave like the door swinging open and everybody getting that chill and everybody seeing that grave for one second or something. They'll leave that part, but you're not going to get past it. You're never going to actually find out what they actually did. Because uh, at that point, they've gone beyond what I consider regular block. Now, you know, the military, I've heard a couple of uh, people who said they've, they've seen military break some of the blocks. I don't know. Maybe. I'm, I'm not thinking so. And I think if you break a graze block, like I said earlier, Uncle Sam's coming to pay you a visit. Well, not Uncle Sam, but whoever that is is coming to pay you a visit. They're going to say, oh, well, you're going to get probed tonight. Hey, Joe. Uh, okay. Yeah, I have a, like, another question. No, answer. Does the other person want to speak first? No, go ahead, Callie. Callie, let Callie finish out, and then we'll, we'll go on. Okay. Okay, like, I don't know if you mentioned it already, but uh, do the Millas have any, like, intera any interactions with any of the duck Ducting alien species, and if so, like, are those like any different from each other, or like, do the milabs yeah, react wait, differently wait. to each of the ETs? All right, say that again, because some for some reason it didn't register in my head, right? All right, like, do the milabs have different interactions with with the different ET uh -huh. species, and if so, like, how how are they different? Oh uh, well, they do from time to time. They're, sometimes they do, like when I was talking about a handoff earlier. Sometimes the grays will hand off a contactee to the millabs. They will allow the millabs to learn X amount of information, and the millabs are recharged re in putting that person back. I'm not sure why they do it, and there's only a handful of cases I can think of right offhand, but it's happened on, on enough occasions that we've got to come to wonder why. There's something to do, it's got to be something to do with the individual. You know, that they decided to drop them off and, and say, you know, they hand them off. And sometimes, under certain types of uh, military abductions, an alien will be present, I guess, to like watch, you know, to make sure they don't go beyond. It's, it's, it's a real weird thing because sometimes they don't seem to have any concern on what the military people are doing at all, but sometimes they're definitely there. And then sometimes it's a military which are being brought to the grave. 
That's why a lot of times we think it's like a high, not a hybrid race, but like a rogue race because the military is picking you up and bringing you to the graves. And in most cases, the graves would just pick you up yourselves. So that's why every, that's another reason why people think there might be a rogue gray race running around, or a rogue gray group running around out there. No, I, I, no I've, I've heard that the reptilians get kind of pissed off over the med labs. Is that true or not? Yeah, they get pissed off because they don't want you messing with their people. They take it personal. For the, see, it's different for the reptilians because the reptilians only abduct in their family lines. Okay, everybody they're taking, every contact they're taking is directly related to them. They're, they abduct wow. our family lines, but it's through their family lines that they're doing it. Whatever the original interbred population was, however long ago it was, when the Sumerians said the reptilians, and, the, and not just the Sumerians, but the Dogon also said the, the reptilians came and bred with the po local population. They abduct from that pool, from those contacts. That's, yeah. that's the people they abduct. And it's been a while abduct. Okay. Yeah, I wonder how it was just like a small population, not the whole population, if it was smaller, smaller, because if it is true that they took, took the women, like, and had, like, made it with them, I don't know how they avoid interspecial yeah, barriers. Yeah, I that actually, myself. But... Yeah, it's because, like, that's one, one big, like, well, I find it, like, how come they didn't do it with the whole population because it was much smaller back then, and not because everyone had, had that issue with, like, non like family lines and family lines and I'm just but, family right now. Well, no, it's okay. If 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 the Sumerians are true, what they said, that was the cradle of civilization. That's where it started at. Those that race that came here to to mine the resources that created that secondary race decided to create a slave race, which was us. The only th the only thing different. Yeah, a white Bakum is not, not all of us that are that are like the being abducted because like it seems like only because only like you said only a fifth. 15% of the population. Yeah, well, look, that's probably because that's probably back whatever they enter into the species. Let's say there was 400,000 Sumerians. They probably abducted, you know, 14,000 of them. And that's the ones they bred with. That was enough to interbreed because each one of those women, 14,000 women having children, the average family back then was like eight. Uh, that's a lot of damn people. You know, and then, then it who were snowballed the other, from then that. Who were the other, then who were the rest of the population that didn't get the bloodlines or well we wondered about that because we know somehow or another everybody's got to be breeding back and forth uh so we we do know that every human alive today has a reptilian section in their brain but does that mean that that directly related to the, the reptilians i have to say yes because they have a reptilian section in their brain but does it make them family related no because you have to have x amount of dna now, your your no. your DNA has to be closer to theirs than it is to ours. How the hell they know that is beyond me, but uh, really they do because they only abduct inside those family lines, and they don't and they don't really even want to mess with the humans that the humans mess with. They don't even want to even mess with them, and uh, they have a direct ascendancy as well. So you got two races hey, in a population. If we knew the data, it would make more sense. Go ahead, man. No, if the reptilians find out that. Well, no lab is going on with one of their nutties. Do they show up and take them back? Sometimes. Not often, though. Usually, they, usually, I actually think they call the greys a lot of times to go do that. I think there's some kind of understanding in between these three races, that the humans and the reptilians keep X amount of distance before them and stay off of each other's contactees. And I think that's why the greys, the greys kind of act like a, a policeman. They're kind of in between the two. But you've got to look at it from their point of view. Here's a race that started from monkeys or whatever. Then these human aliens introduced their DNA to us, and the reptilians introduced their DNA. Then the greys introduced their DNA. So now we're a race with four DNAs 
three of which are from very advanced races. That means sometime in our future, we will surpass these three because we have all three of their DNA. We will become the race. We may even become the light beings one day. But when is that day, and how will we be ranked in the grand universe? I think one of the things they're doing here is watching us evolve. I think they really want to see if this race can be allowed into the galactic community or does it need to be sterilized. I really think that's what they're actually waiting. So you've got to remember for them, uh, you know, 100,000 years, years is not that long. I mean, they've been around more than a billion years. They don't, they don't really think in time the way we do. So, you know, 100,000 years from now, they might decide and say, well, you know what? We've tried everything. We've tried giving them our DNA. We've tried showing them the right path. You know what? Screw it. Let's just start from scratch. Um, we just don't know. But what bothers me the most, well, what bothers me the most about all of this is we, we are a created species. And since, you know, most people say, well, yeah, we're created by God. Well, whatever you want to say created is fine, but we're a created species. So that means someone has the right to terminate us. The creator that created us has the right to terminate us. Um, we're, I think we're technically the uplift or something like that, or at least so, I would maybe we talk like DNA. You know, we fit center. We have DNA from like all other animals on the planet, and you, and like you said, there was probably like some kind of like primate species that they yeah. took if anything. anything. So, you know, I still want to know like, where do Homo erectus, Neanderthals, like. And all those other like common species fit into that. Well, that's that, you see, that's interesting because you know there's Cro-Magnum and Neanderthals. We know Cro-Magnums weren't a separate species actually. There's, yeah, but, but they were just like. But these two species actually existed at the same time because that's what they said happened. One species outbred the other species. They actually incorporated the Neanderthal into their species and bred them out of existence is what they did. And uh, science agrees with that even today. They really think that's what happened to yeah. Neanderthal. They were just absorbed into the different tribes, whatever they were back then, and taken over. But since they were so different than what we consider the modern human to be today, Neanderthal was, you, that might be the other half that you were talking about, Callie, the half that didn't receive the alien DNA in the beginning. They may have been moving on, moving on, moving on, and then finally the, the two species met somewhere on some continent and started breeding with each other, and then finally the human race that's here today emerged into what it's supposed to be, which is a combination of you know three alien races and whatever they used initially to create us, which I'm assuming was an ape. It might not have been. I mean, I hate to make assumptions like that, but I'm assuming that's what it was. And uh, yeah, like. yeah, that that's the four species that live today. And it makes sense to me because we have A, B, and O, uh, and now we have RH negative. So it, it, you know, there's some things that popped up out of nowhere for no reason, and that's what we got to look but, at. You know, here's my question. Um, in let's say. I'm going to say 100 years. I'm going to give it a very short time spring. If we form the world government, an actual legitimate world government, not the UN, how do you think the three races would respond? I tell you what, if, if we end war on this planet, I, End war. End war and start. War and we unite. I, I actually think you would see the space lanes open up to us, and I think the, their, uh, their agenda they have now I think would be altered somewhat. Uh, if we could show as a species that we were ready to be in deep space and we were going to go out there and act like whatever we were going to act like and not a bunch of animals and a bunch of idiots, it, it's different because, you know, you've proven it. But, but it's going to be tough. It's, 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 you know, humans are just we're so want, want, needy, needy. It's all about us. It's really going to be hard. Well, that just made me, like, think of something right there. Like, what if, like, the, the Holocaust, I mean, it seems like, like, what if the Holocaust stream, like, isn't, 
like a prop, prophecy, but more so a warning of what we know what happens if we don't. Like I know that. But no, but no, but it does, no, that's a good point, Sally. It might be the the Holocaust dream might be a warning. It might be saying, look, if you don't get your act together, this is where it's headed. You know, because in the end, we've got a couple of oddities here on the planet that no one can quite explain. You know, we've got the map of the creator, which carbon date, well, not carbon dates, but dates back one, one, between 100 and 125 million years ago, uh, which we know there was reptilians on the planet at the time. Uh, the reptilians, seem, yeah, you know, or whatever you want to call them, they were they're roaming around. But um, the thing about it is, is this, this is these periods or when a lot of people think the reptilians were on this planet, they've already, you know... What's funny about this is, is people seem to think the reptilians evolved before the, the uh, Jurassic period, or the Plastic period, before, which I'm not quite where, where they come up with it, but I'm not going to argue. I mean, maybe they did, maybe they came right at the beginning of the start, and then they, you know, emerged out of everything that was, you know, all the dinosaurs and everything else, you know, because it was... A exactly. if, you look, well, if you look at the extinction-level events... Right before the Jurassic was the Apermian, which would be a perfect time for life because you had like over 20, I think over 5 million to 10 million years of stability yeah. on well, the planet. Likely, yeah. What more than likely happened was is I would bet you that there was a reptilian race here, probably just like us. I, the reptilians, this is what everybody don't understand about the reptilians. The reptilians are really humans in, in, in the way we are. I mean, they have a religion. They're arrogant. They got egos. Uh, they get mad. They get happy. They got families. You know, they're, and, and all the species that visit us, they are really the closest to us. They're even built like us. You know, they're bigger than us, you know, and they've got these things that look like scales. But in reality, five-fingered, five-toed, seven-foot tall, eight-foot tall, 500 pounds, you know, I mean, they're basically humans. And, and yeah, except they for the presence of spikes, yeah, tails, gills, the and tail, all that kind of stuff. But they're warm-blooded. And there's a lot of animals on Earth that have similar characteristics. Yeah. Five, well, we had a tail one five, time. Like it's Oh, hey, hey, Joe, it, it, they say genetic engineering, we might be seven foot to six foot, not for six foot to... But in 5,000 years, the average height may be six five here, you know. I mean, we're growing. There's no doubt the species is getting taller, they're living longer, and, and the, the, the smarter, brighter, and faster we get, the, the taller, healthier, longer we're going to live. That That's just a given. Hey, Joe, hey, Joe um, I have a weird question for you. I recently watched The Encounters of the Fourth Kind. Um, now, did aliens ever really do um, hurt their abductees? Okay. Um, that movie was actually a good movie. It wasn't too true to what really goes on. But some of the stuff in that movie is, is true. Like when the guy was being regressed and all that shit went crazy in the house, that's, happened. that's even happened to me. Um, that's that what I believe. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of stuff has happened. Um, they've taken people. They've they've you know think about this. I mean, we have contactees in prison. They still take them. <laughs> I, you know, I, I want to know how that works. What do they do? Put a dummy back or something? I mean, I, I mean, but somehow or another they do. I mean, it doesn't. You know, I was talking to a guy not long ago who got out of jail. And he said, Joe, I just don't understand it. We're taking me while I was in jail. I said, They need you. They're going to take you. I said, They take you in freaking White House. They take you in the battlefield. They don't care. They know where you are. If they want you, they can come get you. Um, how they get the perception that someone's still in a cell is beyond me, but they do. Hey, now, I got Dave, one more question. Now, with the, oh, with, the, um, with the lady that was um, at the end in the beginning telling her story, was she, is she really an abductee and was she really paralyzed? By no, she wasn't. That, that, that part was actually just fake. Um, 
the funny part was when the movie came out, we still had the old UFO alien phenomena group. And the movie came out, I forgot who went and seen it, and they said, oh, Joe. So then they instantly started doing the research. And then we found out now that, that it was just a story. Uh, none of it was real. Um, but it was a good story. I mean, it was a good movie. I enjoyed the movie. If, if you take it for a movie and not for as a researcher, I can't do it as a researcher because the research, I have to say, was you know mostly bunk. But as a movie, it was a good movie. I enjoyed the movie. I well, so, how, much of, how much of it was where if you were looking at a researcher, you're like, yeah, that happens. 15%. 15%. Now, can you name one, you name one thing where you're like, yeah, that happens? What I just said, the one where they're in, the, when he's hypnotizing them and the shit starts flying around. Oh. Or in the scene where the cop's sitting out front and the UFO comes down with the light and goes in and takes the kid. That's all stuff that's happened. Uh, both of those events that would happen at any given context, even in any given time. Um, they, they, you know, when they want you, they're going to take you. And somehow or another, they have the ability to make everyone else around you forget or not notice or not pay attention. You know, or or like your animals, or your dogs, or your cats, whatever. Because it's weird. Now, I heard, uh, now, I heard a weird rumor that once once in a blue moon, if a little boy or little girl wants an animal, it goes with them. Is that true? Yeah, no, they'll they'll take an animal with you sometimes. It wouldn't be the first time that I haven't. Uh, uh, that actually matters. That's why I was talking about because I was watching it. That it, matter of fact, I'm, I'm in Mississippi and watching 4400 and taking matter sent them to me. And I'm rewatching it when I'm up at there. It relaxes me. Yeah, I know of all things to watch to relax yourself, huh? Uh, but yeah, I've been watching them up there. I've been doing a little reading. I get a little more, more. It's a little more peaceful up there. I get my thoughts back. Now, um, now with the little girl that they actually took, are there cases where that where they would take like an eight-year-old um, person? We've got we've got we've got missing cases of kids all over the world, not just in the United States. Um, kids that will never be found. That, and there's lots of things that could happen to them. You know, I mean, they could have been picked up, they could have been killed, they could have been blessed, they could have been sold in slavery, they could have been taken by another parent or somebody else. But sometimes you run across a family that has lost a child, either through death or being stolen, but the family does happen to be contactees. Then you have to stop and wonder. Because we both know that if this child is, a, is an abductee and you go steal this child, they're going to come take the kid from you and probably bring it back to the parents. So... There, there are stories where uh, where a little girl in uh, Ohio said that her she got kidnapped. Her bug buddies came and saved her. I wouldn't doubt it. It wouldn't even be the first time I've heard stories like that either. I mean, the thing of it is, she said they were pissed. That was her response. They were mad at him. They hurt him. Yes, because and they will. And the gray's got a temper. I'm telling you, don't piss the gray off because you're going to regret it. Um, they may be able to hold them and keep, but one they lose and they're gone, and that's it. And um, you just you just got to be there. It's, uh, but no, I, I, I've just that sometimes but, a little but, but cat will uh, bring their dog or cat with them, and I find that kind of funny. Yeah, well, the dog, they, they'll bring not just their dog and cat. Sometimes they'll bring a baby doll with them. There's there's holding rooms, um, and you don't hear this so much from the children as you do from the adults. But there's big holding rooms that are full of kids. I mean, maybe 50, 100, 500 children in there from the age of like three to twelve. What gets me is when they're there, them some bitches get along like angels. I, I have never seen a group of kids like that get along like that anywhere. But here, they just like they're playing, doing their thing. It's almost like somebody's pumping some happy gas in there or some shit. And um, what they do, they play, and the kids, ninety-nine and nine-tenths of every kid I met does not have a fear of freaking aliens. There's no fear there. 
they do. My bug-eyed friends, my gray, my little gray friends. Oh, my my snake friend, my reptilian friend, and they, and they mean it. I mean, they're sincere. They freaking mean it. I mean, if you if you had the voice trust meter on when they're talking about, there's no even implement of lie that these kids mean it, and and they have no fear. Now the fear starts at puberty because that's when their the nasty shit starts. They they take you at puberty. When you hit puberty, they take you, in, and that's from puberty to thirty. You know, because puberty starts at different ages for different people. Uh, there's late blooms and early blooms, but anywhere in there, they're going to take you, and they're going to do stuff to you. But if you're a contactee kid and you get taken, I, I would bet even money they'd pick you up every time and bring you back, and they would probably wipe the person out who took you in the first place. But uh, there are cases where children do go missing that are hooked up to family, so we figure those are being taken by the aliens. And the reason we think they take them is not to do anything mean or harmful. We think – I don't know if you've ever read Laura's Eyes – it's a book about a lady's daughter. It's a good book, by the way. And um, I think nope. when, when a child has too much alien DNA, they take them. They, 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 they just they're too, they just can't fit in, right? Like in Laura's eyes, you know, this, this, this girl had that special stuff she had to eat and all kind of stuff, and these men used to come visit her at the college and stuff like that, and then one day she just disappeared. She sounds like a hybrid. She, the way they describe her, she sounds like a gray hybrid, big, dark eyes, oversized eyes, forehead that was different. Her head was longer backwards. And, um, and the, one, the, the book is written by the mother or defended the mother. And I've had them both on my shows more than one time, too. The old lady's really fabulous uh, thing. But I think sometimes they have to take you. I think that's one of the reasons they start checking you pre-birth to see if what they're doing has changed you too much. In other words, if you have really keen psychic abilities, they're not going to leave you here. If you have the ability to like pick up a car and drop it on somebody or read somebody's mind and wipe it all out or pick through whatever you're pick the lottery numbers, whatever, they're going to take you. They're not going to leave you here because we're not ready for that kind of person yet. And that kind of person can not only wreak harm to us, but to themselves. So the best place to put them is in a situation where that is normal, and of course that's not here. So we do hear these cases from time to time. And I can tell you this, on many occasions I've had mothers tell me that they took the baby early because the baby, you, you know, I know you all have heard of missing baby syndrome. That's part of the missing baby syndrome. At three months, they make a determination. They may take the child right then and there, or they may just terminate the birth if there's something wrong with it, or if they think the abilities are going to grow too fast, they will take it right then and there. And there's no spontaneous, and this is what's really weird about this part. They will take the child. There's no way, let me finish. There's no spontaneous abortion. There's no hormone problems. When the woman, when the woman went to the doctor, she was three months pregnant, everything was in order. She goes back the next day after this happens. Not only does the doctor say you're not pregnant, but as far as they could tell, you were never pregnant. Sorry, Joe, I'm going to yell for a second. Okay. They, um, they, um, so they really, they really know this. They really, truly understand this. Uh, don't let the cat beat you up, man. It's probably a reptilian in disguise. Uh, this is the thing, but we got to get ready to get out of here anyway because I know we're running over, and I know we have a huge audience. I'm watching. I think, by the way, I apologize. I know Live 365 has reached its limit, uh, which <laughs> that's cool. Uh, we've, we've been hitting a lot of limits lately. We're going to have to start adding more servers. And by the way, please, ladies and gentlemen, remember to help poor Joe out. We've got uh, two computers down right now. We had uh, one of our uh, main live talk servers lost a video card and a hard drive, so i got to go get those. And my all-time favorite quad-core computer that I usually use to do these shows on and sit right here burnt up a hard drive. I think it burnt up a hard drive. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Hey, Jeff. Today, though, by the way, before I go on, the computer I'm using right now, 
the one that's hosting all these stations and doing everything right now, is courtesy of donations made to the Paranormal Radio Network. This is a FX 8 core, 4.1 with 8 gigs of RAM, and it runs everything by itself. I love this thing. But I either got to get two more computers or I got to repair these two. So, anyway, if you want to help out, you know where I'm at. Get your old computers, anything. You know, anything helps. Uh, Guy, do you have any questions before we get out of here? I'll let Callie go first. 805. Yeah, I have one. Yeah. Yeah, I have one. I have one. Last five, hold on, yeah. five, go first. Go ahead. No, no, no. Let Callie go first because I have to. I'm yeah, doing something. Let Callie go first. Hush. Go ahead, Callie. All right. Smack all right. Okay. Right. Okay. First of all, like one last question is concerning mail labs. Like, is there, like, do you think that if the mail if a mail labs goes too far with the people they abducted, do you think that the ETs that are the original abductors would go far as to kill to kill any mail lab members? Because I imagine yeah. if they're really they will. Really tell, it, it, tell, can it, they can just we, break the molecular bonds or just rip them to pieces or something. We, we have heard of some horrific stories. Uh, I'll tell you this one, and this is from a very famous contact. She's been on my show many, many times. It's not something we talk about on the show, but it is a true story. Uh, she was Millwap, and she was taken, and she was under heavy duress. She, she's somebody who has intimate knowledge on, on piling of crap and stuff like that. And she said, this is her word, she said, I was about to break. I was in tears. I was on my hands and knees. I was bald in a corner, and I would have told them anything to make it stop. She said, and all of a sudden, she said, I felt uplifted. I felt like a new spirit, a new energy, and I realized something was in my head. And she, when I opened my eyes and looked up, my gray was standing there. She said it literally melted their brains in their heads, all five of them, killed them, did as a freaking doornail right there in front of her. Dropped all five of them, and three guys walked in, and the great turned around, and she said they must have told them something, but they ran like their asses were on fire. And um, apparently they will get pissed and, and take vengeance. It's, you know, it, it, we learn more and more now about these greys and these humans and these reptilians. And in some ways, they're like us. I mean, or let me rephrase that. We're like them because we're the younger species. We're like them. So there's hope for us if there's hope for them. If they've made it, there is hope for us. You know, we just got to get our shit together and stop trying to screw each other over on a daily basis. I mean, these days, America wants to screw them. Russia wants to screw us. China wants to screw us and them. Europe's just screwing everybody. Japan's just like, what the hell ever, you know. Nobody really cares. They only care about themselves. You got to get past it. You have to start caring about everything around you, not just yourself. And it's going to be the hardest thing this race ever has to do because especially Americans – we're materialized. We're thinking about the buck. We're thinking about the TV. We're thinking about the soccer. We're, th whatever. we're not thinking about our neighbors. We're too busy thinking about our new iPad or our new this or our new that uh, to be thinking about your damn neighbors. So Yeah, I wonder, yeah, I wonder what those that, that they know as that that's where they let the Browns in. They probably yeah, they did. They called them the cleanup crew. The, the cleanup crew is probably what they did. Now, she did not say she's seen the Browns. All she said was this happened, and the grade looked at her. And he put his little hand out, and she stood up, and she took his hand. Next thing she knew, she was home in her bed, properly dressed, and everything seemed to be in order. And she, she felt, I don't know if this is true or not, she said she felt like that the gray head kind of scrubbed or cleaned up some of the memories in her head so that it wasn't horrific as it was. Uh, because she, you know, I don't want to get into this a lot because it's a really bad case, and she'll kick my ass if I talk about it too much. But, I mean, basically... Not only were they, these guys beating everything, but they, it sounded like they were just anything they wanted to do to it, they were doing, and they were doing it repeatedly. And uh, so, you know, I guess, and, and probably what happened is, is that fear went out, and that gray picked it up, and that gray's like, what the? Mm -mm. 
turn this effing sauce around, I got to go fry some humans. Um, and that's and the thing about it is, is and this, you know, I'd love to tell you who this is, and I will tell you, she's a very famous abductee. You know, when I was doing the twenty segments, she was in those twenty, in those twenty, and uh, and she's not the only one that's told me something like this. But she, no, it wasn't Melinda. Uh, I'll tell you that much: it wasn't Melinda. Melinda got another story, though, man. It makes that one sound pale. But we're not going to get into that. Well, hey, hey, Joe, Joe, have you had something like that happen? And if you have, can you tell us the no, story, please? Most, most of what goes on with me is is it stays with me. I do talk about some of my experiences on the air from time to time, and it's rare because usually when I get invited to speak on a show, it's never. This is what's so funny because most people don't even know I have experiences. Uh, people will write to me and ask me if I'm doing an appearance with them. You know, I, I, as a matter of fact, I just did a TV gig about a week ago. I should be coming out. And uh, it's just a little short thing about a, a video I took. But um, they always ask me about ICAR and what I do and what I know and, and what my research is. They really don't ask me about my personal experience. Now, I got blindsided on a show one day. I went on a radio show, an FM station show. And the guy starts telling me, he said, well, and he's asking me about his information. And then he goes, you know, um, I hear you're on a contactee too. Could you tell me a little bit about it? And I was like, "Wow, really?" I said, "Sure, I'll tell you about it." But it's it's considered one of the best kept secrets in ufology. But in all fairness, in 1999, I put up AlienEnigma.com and .org. Uh, it's still up today, by the way. Uh, it's a 15-year-old site. It's older than an iCar, and uh, it was put up in 1999. It was put up for one reason. I didn't buy the domain name until 2003, but the, the site was put up in 1999. But it was only put up for one little tiny reason. And that was so that Linda and I could put our accounts up on the net. And later down, 10, 15 years down the line, where we are today, if someone said, well, you're just saying it because it's popular and it's the thing to do. Well, no, go look at the site. And it's there. Matter of fact, uh, our, one of our primary experiences, one of the things that made me sink, hook, line, and sink almost everything I have into this was the Golf Breeze experience. And it's posted on the Alien Enigma site. It's in detail, a lot more detail than you've ever heard me talk about on the air, too, and it's posted there, www.alienenigma.org or .com. Um, Enigma or Enigma? Enigma. Alien Enigma, yeah, E-I-N-G-A, whatever the hell, however you spell it, it's been so long since I had to spell it, but um, it's there, it's, it's, it's a free site, anybody can use it now. Don't start writing to me about the site, the site's 15 years old and ain't been updated in five years, so I don't want to hear the site needs this or that's broke or whatever, because it ain't getting fixed, okay? It's simple. Because it's a free site, if somebody went in and fixed it themselves, would you... Be mad about that. No, no, somebody can go and fix it. I don't mind. Anybody has access can fix it. The, the thing of it is, the site is only there for one purpose. It is, it, it gives me X amount of credibility in what I say because I posted it 15 years before I started going public about it, and that's really important because a lot of researchers, I'm not going to say who, okay, a lot of researchers who remember said, oh, I've never had experience. I've never had this. All of a sudden, they start having experiences and abductions and all kind of bullshit. Those people are full of shit. It don't work that way. E.T. don't start picking you up in the middle of your life for no damn reason, okay? If they're picking you up now, they were picking you up then. So, uh, don't even bullshit. Like Alex Coyer. You know, I, I'm not going to tell you this. A very, very famous ufologist, a guy, calls me up one night and says aliens started abducting him. This is a very famous ufologist, and he's in the new group of ufologists I talk about. And uh, he calls me up and tells me, I said, dude, there's no way. I said, if they're being out, they're like, oh, no, Joe, they told me I was just, because of this, they're abducting me. I'm like, by the way, we're not friends anymore because he's full of shit. But um, I, I had to call him on the carpet about it. I just had to. I said, dude, don't do it. I said, you're going to make yourself. I'm going to get off now, Joe. Go ahead. I appreciate the call, by the way, babe. I said, right. um, 
I said, uh, if, if you push it, I'm going to have to challenge it. I said, because they don't do that, dude. I said, I said, it just doesn't work that way. I said, if it was a military abduction, I might have cut you some slack. But you're telling me the Grays came and got you because of something you were talking about. No, they don't do that. Not unless you're already a contactee. And uh, well, he went on and went on and went on. And then uh, we were at a conference, and he brought this up. He didn't see me in the audience, by the way. And uh, he brought it up. And uh, he's telling the story, blah, 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 blah. And some lady stood up and she said, you're full of shit. Just like that, dude, right in the middle, 200 people in the room. She just stood up. You're full of shit and walked out. And then uh, an old man, about two things down the end, said, <laughs> he goes, he said, you know, I've listened to Mr. Montaldo talk a lot, and I have to agree with you, you're full of shit. And, you know, he's sitting in the back if you want to get his opinion. His face, I'm not kidding you, it turned this weirdish, pinkish, reddish, purple color. <laughs> and he just changed the topic and went on to something else. <laughs> and so I just got right. some stuff after that. But, you know, it was kind of funny to me. Because my job well, is to uh, ruin anybody. My job is to find stuff. What, uh, my original question, actually, was uh, how many uh, bases do you think uh, the aliens have underneath the ocean? Man, people ask me that all the time. I, I, I'll tell you this. I'm almost positive the reptilians have at least one big one on there, maybe two. I don't think the humans really do. I don't think the greys do either. They, they probably have stuff. I mean, greys you hear a lot about and, and mountainous areas, even here humans up there. The reptilians are amphibians, so they like the water, so they're probably under the oceans in several places. But um, mo all three of them, by the way, have off-world bases nearby, somewhere in the solar system. Some people say they're on the moon, some say on Mars, some say the, the, the moon's out. I, I don't really know where they are. Um, it's a lot of speculation, and when you're on board looking out, you usually don't get to see anything that's going to kind of give you an idea. Every now and then, though, um, you do hear somebody say that they've seen Earth as a dot from a distance, which suggests Mars or further. Uh, you know, I imagine from Mars we look like a little blue ball. I imagine Venus or uh, – not Venus, but from uh, Saturn or Jupiter, we look like a little blue speck uh, way off in a distance. Um, other than that, well, I mean, I keep, now that NASA they, has uh, turned it around, turned scopes around and seen us, and we look actually at the point of Saturn. We don't look like a blue ball. We just look like a dot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, we're not, it's not, it's, for most people, they're not going to know what they're looking at. Now, Mars, you might. Because you can go up in the night sky, and most people can recognize Mars in the night sky, but um, and you can recognize Venus because it's so. I mean, Venus, Saturn because it's so big. But if you were there looking this way, no, you're right. It'd be just a little dot, and it'd be hard to know what it was unless you actually knew what the hell you were looking at. It's it's one of the reasons, like with the Betty and Barney Hill map, I had so much problem with it in the beginning. So here they got a map that was. I love this part. They pulled the map down on the wall. Okay, this is a pull down map on an alien spacecraft, guys. A pull down map. Kathleen Maldron in the new book changed it to like a digital screen, but in the old book, it was a pull-down map. And um, so you know as well as I do, pull-out maps have nothing to do with aliens. But anyway, long story short, there was a star cluster, right, about in Barney Hill star map. The problem is there's no point of origin. There's no way to possibly know where the star map went without a point of origin. All they said was, well, this is our home world, and this is the stars. It didn't show Earth as a point of origin. And they, Betty always said that. This map was taken from a different point of view, from a different area, maybe halfway in between or something. So they were looking at something. There was no way anyone today could find – I could actually take that, that map 
and make it fit 60 or 70 clusters without any real effort at all. Because there's so many freaking stars in the sky, it ain't hard to do. So there's no yeah, way yeah. without a point of origin you can locate where this, this home world was. It's impossible. Do, does does ICAR speculate where uh, where the three home worlds of the races are? Well, where the reptilian's main base is. Well, it's sort of like this. Uh, most people feel that the Dogon, um, who knew about Sirius A, B, and C, Feel like the, the Draco, the Dracos live on the Draco world. They are they live in the Draco system near the Dog Star and all up in there. They probably have large colonies, even home worlds out there now. I mean, if if they left the planet 63 million years ago, shit, they probably got planets and home worlds all over the damn place out there. But they do think they're from the constellation of Draco. That's where they think they're from. And then you know you've got the Dogon and the Sumerian putting them there. You also have Angkor Watts putting them there. So you got three different societies on this planet saying that they're from the Draconian star system, uh, and that's why they call them Dracos in the first damn place. Um, the humans, I, I've heard – this is what bothers me too. First, there's a couple of theories floating around. Some say the humans live out about halfway between us and the sun. A lot of people say the graves live on the other side of the known galaxy, some 80 light years away, 80,000 um, 80, light years away, which is almost on the other side of the known galaxy. There are theories, though, that say the reptilians were from Earth, the humans were from Venus, and the greys were from Mars. And there was some kind of catastrophic disaster on the planet in between where they had like a group of them were living all together. When that world exploded, you know, the, the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter now would make it be about five times the size of planet Earth, which, is, which by the way, is the size they said Nerebu was, uh, blew apart. When it did, we know now that Mars got hit by a giant asteroid. We know Earth got hit by a giant asteroid. Well, I'm almost positive Venus does, but Venus's erosion on its planet, you'll never find it because of the 900 degrees. It's always rearranging the surface of the planet. So you'll never be able to find it. But on Earth and Mars, we found the impact zones. And we know they date between 58 and 63 million years ago, both of them. So something happened. There were probably three or four thriving planets here when this happened. It could have been a war. It could have been a natural catastrophe. It could have been Jupiter pulling on that planet and destroyed it and sent massive asteroids flying out through the lower part of the solar system, killing Earth, wiping out Venus, wiping out Mars. You know, and it may have been without any warning or it may have been with some warning. But something happened. There was some reason why the original habits of this planet left and whoever was living on Mars and Venus left. So we don't know. I mean, as far as we know, the reptilian humans and greys could be from here. But most contactees seem to think they're from mother and further out. And then, of course, there's a theory that Earth isn't from this, or this solar system isn't from the Milky Way. It's from the Red Dwarf, um, Red Dwarf Galaxy Sagittarius, the one that the Milky Way's eaten up. And in case y'all didn't know this, it's very close to our location. There's a, it's depositing red dwarf stars all over in nearby areas of Earth. So they really think it's a possibility that Earth was deposited here by that galaxy. We may not even be native to the Milky Way. It'd be another reason why all the races would be interested in us. But they just found the world from another galaxy inhabited in their own galaxy. That's a pretty good reason. Well, I mean, if it, if it's stuff, couldn't they just travel to other galaxies and see what's there? Not ga- I don't know about galaxies. Traveling around a solar system is one thing. I mean, if, um, let's see, who's closest to us? Uh, not proximate, no. Um, Alpha Centauri? Uh, is it Alpha Centauri? No, 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 I'm talking about yeah, Alpha Andromeda. Alpha Andromeda is the closest galaxy to us. Galaxy, yeah. Andromeda, yeah. yeah. The closest star to us is Proxima Centauri at 3.8 light years, I believe. But uh, Andromeda is the, closest, is the closest galaxy. And if I remember, it's almost 2 billion, 1.5 billion 
uh, light years away. Man, even at fast and light speed, that's a trip. <laughs> that's a few year trip there. Even I mean, you'd have to be doing some like warp five thousand or something. Um, you don't you don't think the guys have colonies in Andromeda? They could. I mean, Andromeda is going to eat the Milky Way. In case you haven't noticed, ladies and gentlemen, about 1.3 billion years, Andromeda will eat the Milky Way, just like the Milky Way is eating the Sagittarius galaxy. It's going to eat us. It's three times the size of us. So we're not even going to hardly disturb it. We're just going to be redistributed inside of Andromeda. And part of the Milky Way might survive as it passes through, but the most of us will be dropped in Andromeda. So this is what's really funny about this. People talk about humans living. Well, everybody's always concerned about... 3.3 3. 3 billion years before the sun goes red dry and kills us. Screw that. In a, in a billion and a half years, we're going to be colliding with another galaxy. Maybe we should be thinking about that now. Uh, well, no, no, no. Joe, the sun is, uh, as it starts eating up the helium, it's going to switch to different compounds. Yeah, and the different right, compounds, we're going to a red star. And in, I think, only maybe a billion years or so, uh, Earth will be uninhabitable. Uh, three, 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 three 3.3 billion before we go red giant. Until then, we're fine. But it's three point. They, they've they've worked it out. The sun's got five billion years of life. You'll be right? alive until the red giant blows up. Yeah, but but when it, it'll be three point three year years before it expands and eats Earth. Now we'll start feeling it within two point five billion years. But at three point three billion years, that's when it's going to actually explode. Well, no, no, no. Uh, the, the, there's a theory that had had just come in in two thousand three, where the sun, as it slowly eats up its materials, we discovered. It'll eventually produce more heat than the Earth can contain, and it will slowly expand before it finally does. Eventually, within about roughly 100 million years or so, Earth will be uninhabitable at all. No, all the oceans are done and all that. No, so somebody, we're no, somebody's smoking crack on that. But no, don't worry about it, man. I, I, I've, had, uh, I've listened to too many scientists talk about it. We know what the average lifespan of a yellow sun is, by the way. It's about between 10 and 15 billion years. We know that already. We've seen Maybe we'll get die. lucky and we'll do a 15. But, we, but, but we've seen them die and expand in the galaxy. We do know it, at, at 3 billion years, the, the sun itself will expand outward. And it will go, the sun will actually be as big as where we are today. It will actually eat the earth. It will swallow it up whole, and you will have a huge red giant. Well, what's cool about this, for another 2 billion years, it's going to heat the outer planets up, which is going to make moons around Venus inhabitable. It will make Mars re-inhabitable, and it will make quite a few planets inhabitable that were no longer, even Pluto, the ice will start to melt. Um, so you will have an abundance of materials being discovered at that point. But then you have to still think. You've only got two billion years after that to get out into the universe, because if you don't, you, your solar system is going to die, and everything here is going to die with it. And so, anyway, it goes in five billion years, our solar systems did, but it doesn't really matter. Like I said, in a billion years, Andromeda will eat us. So we need to be thinking about that ahead of time. And what, what can you do? You know, you're going to get eaten. Well, I mean, if we're going to be around to see it, by the way, you know, just in case y'all know that I'm a vampire. Yeah. My mind will be around to help to do anything about it. Yeah, well, it might not be anybody around. You know, and by then, we may have abandoned our solar system and be living way out in other worlds all over the place. You know, no telling where we're going to go. I listened to a guy, you know, I talked with Michio Keiko about this, about the stepping stone theory. And uh, with the technology we have today, you could build a base between Mars and Earth. You could go in, well-shielded, send your astronauts. They could stop off, spend a few days there, months, and hop back and go over there. Then you're at Mars. Then you build a, a launching zone between Mars and the asteroid belt, Zone L7, which you can launch into deep space from there. 
But what you're going to do is, so then now you'll have a stop off in the asteroid belt. There'll be a base on probably Europa, probably a base on Io. Then there'll be a base out on the Oort cloud. And then there'll be a base at the end of our, our, our known for true light years out, which is the known of our, uh, the end of our sphere of our sun's influence. We'll have another base there. But when we're there, once you get there, you're only 1.1 light years from Proxima Centauri. So even at half light speed, it'll only take two years to get there. So now we've got ourselves close enough that we can step off and get to Proxima Centauri at half light speed in two years. So we've, we've, we're now able to go to a new solar system. Well, we'll, what we'll do is halfway to Proxima Centauri, we'll build another base. So we'll have another stepping stone. And then when we hit Proxima Centauri, we'll build a base there and then maybe one on a planet that we find or something out there or whatever we find. Then from there, we will find the next closest solar system and do the same thing. You don't have to have light speed to explore the entire known galaxy. Look at it like this. The galaxy is 100,000 light years across. That's how big the Milky Way is. It's 100,000 light years across. At half of light speed, you're going to explore the whole entire galaxy in 200,000 years. Okay? Grays a billion years old, which means they could have they could have explored the entire known galaxy five times over, which means they could have bases, planets, you name it, all over the entire galaxy. So every trip is just a short jump. Jump here, jump here, jump here. If the Grays saw us doing this, do you think they'd be cheering? I think they want us to do it. I just I just really think they want us to be... It's not that they want us to be all peace, love, and light, because they're not all peace, love, and light. It's not what they want. They just want us to be responsible. We're not going to go out and start an interstellar war. We're not going to throw off the balance of the, of the, the known, whatever, how everybody gets along and stuff. We're not going to go out destroying planets and polluting shit and just destroying shit left and right. Um, you know, because we're not, because we're way out on the spiral arm. I mean, we're way away from everybody. The fact that any alien race even finds us is kind of funny because we're way out there. I mean, we'd make a great stepping stone like if you wanted to jump to, well, uh, Andromeda because we would be way out on the spiral edge so you could make it closer there. Um, well, you'd be 100,000, well, yeah, 50 light, thousand light years closer, but still, it would make a great well, jump. Well, there's theories that some races do use our system as a stepping stone to get off they might, Andromeda. They well, you know, water makes hydrogen, and we've got a planet full of water, so, and, and it makes other chemicals besides that, so, you know, and I would imagine most species probably need fresh water to survive or some type of liquid along those lines, I imagine. But anyway, we've got to get out of here because it's almost 10. So I'm going to lock this up. Guys, thanks for calling in. Everybody. I just got one thing to ask. Uh, are you going to be on next Wednesday or no? Next Wednesday, what about next? Oh, because it's Mardi Gras. I'll probably be on. Unless I'm hungover, I'll be on. Okay, well, then I, then I will say this question until next Wednesday. Yeah, because I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be... Bringing pickings up some more to Mill Lab stuff, and then because I really we didn't there's quite a few things we didn't get in on, on on what actually goes on in the Mill Lab. Plus, I want to talk a little bit more about aliens' influences inside of the Mill Lab abductions. But anyway, we're gonna get well, out of here. Well, hold on, hold on. Can I just ask the question then, and you could answer it? Okay. because it's really not about Mill Lab. Yeah. Uh, they uh, scientists confused because they say that uh, advanced life cannot evolve in water, but you've talked about advanced life being in water in that giant city, how do you think they evolved? Well, I don't know why they would say that, because we know all life on this planet came out of the water. I, I know, but they say that there's no way to have fire and stuff. All right, take it easy, man. Thanks for calling, too, man. They, um, well, all right. they um, think about it like this. Dolphins are, are at least as intelligent as we are. Just because a species chooses not to use technology doesn't mean they're ignorant. They may be an agrarian society. They may not want to use technology. And just because we don't see any technology doesn't mean dolphins don't have as far as we know. They've got a damn gleaming city underneath the ocean somewhere. 
Um, that's the problem here. We make too many assumptions on this planet with lack of any real – because let's, let's look at it like this. Let's say you're an advanced race. Let, we'll use dolphins for example. Let's say they're telepathic and they have telekinesis. Okay, and we already know they communicate. They're all telepathic because of the way through their sonar, the way they communicate. So here we have an advanced race now that has telekinesis. They don't need hands or fingers, do they? Because they can move materials with their mind. They can put things together with their mind. They probably don't even need cutting tools. They can probably bend, shape, and mold with thought. That's that's of course a much more advanced race than we are. So you know when they say that, I don't think they really conceived of things along those lines. They're thinking on the flesh and blood, physical hammer and nail type technologies, but the universe is much bigger and much brighter than that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't condemn any life on how it could start anywhere. Uh, so I, have you seen a dolphin in that giant city, or has any yeah, of any of the? There's a, there's a um, in the, in the, um, in the council chambers. There's a, a bowl at the top of the council chamber. It looks like a giant fish bowl, actually. It's got rings and seats and all kind of stuff in it. Those represents about 500 aquarian races, I mean aqua races, uh, and dolphins are in there. I don't know if it's the dolphins from Earth or what the hell they are, but they're there. And it's not the only time. There's been several people who have seen dolphins on board different ships. So, and then there's a thing that a lot of times when the grays come, you'll see them like over the Gulf of Mexico. This has been seen at least 100 times. A gray ship hovering over with a school of dolphins with their heads up chattering at the gray as he's hovering over the water. So apparently they think they're intelligent. They think they're more intelligent than we are because they don't go around killing each other off and blowing up nuclear bombs all over the planet, do they? Um, it just depends how you want to look on what makes you intelligent. If you say technology makes you intelligent, then yes, we're more intelligent than the dolphins. If you go by sheer evolution and who's been here the longest and brain capacity, then the dolphins are more intelligent. Most humans don't want to admit it, but the dolphin's brain is one and a half times the size of humans and has two more senses than humans. They have seven, where we have five. So who you think is more advanced? Um, see, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you're going to go by brain size and abilities, they've got us beat. Um, if you're going to go by technology, then we got them beat. Uh, so it's just, just however you, whatever it is that you think makes an advanced race, that's really what it comes to. Or maybe they already went through the technology and we just don't know it. And they might have. Hell, you know, well, know, know this. We know that one time dolphins were on the land, so dolphins started in the water, walked onto the land, and then walked back into the water. Why? Because they used to have a straight spine, and if you ever see a picture of a dolphin, just, their spine is straight in the back, and their, their flippers, both front and back, have five fingers in each one. Their finger pieces. You can see them. They look like little fingers. And they look like little toes. So at one time, it was definitely an air-breathing, upright-walking animal. Upright-walking animal uh, that now went back to the ocean. Uh, Maybe they had the problems we had and just decided, you know what, let's go back to the ocean. We can do it that way. And there's an argument on dolphins' evolution from 125 to 270 million years ago. I have no idea who's right on that, who's not. I just know they're way older than humans are. Or at least of a magnitude of 100 million years or more. So, so it's you know, I don't, I don't know how you judge who's, who's, who's smart and who's not. But anyway, you be good. Let me get out of here. And uh, for my wife threatens to kill me again. And uh, have a good night, Jeff. Yeah. And guys, I'm sorry y'all blocked up live 365. I see y'all just killed it tonight. But remember, there's Ustream, Livestream, Shout, Shoutcast, Ice, Ice, Icecast, Jetcast, and then. If you're overseas or if you're in the West Coast, you can get on the Microsoft service. If you're overseas, remember, there's a whole host of servers that carry us in Europe. Uh, the Telstar server, the Pioneer server, 
There's two others I can't think of. Then, of course, there's the Hong Kong servers and the Beijing servers. So you can always get on there. There's the ones in Australia, and, and uh, there's also the um, Aussie cast in Australia. And we just recently got a New Zealand server. I had met a guy online who's a regular listener to the show, and he told me that he had a server down there that you know hosts different radio shows and different stuff like that. And he asked us if we wanted on, and I said, yeah. And we've been doing good. We've been averaging about uh, about 800 listeners. Uh, day down there, which is not a lot to start off with, but it's still pretty damn good in, in Kiwi land. So everybody listen down in Kiwi land, welcome to the network. I hope you enjoy it. Um, and for y'all, especially for the friends overseas, you don't have to use a toll-free number to call in. You can get me through Skype. Um, we have a Skype list. If you send me an invite along with a message on what it is, I will add you to my Skype list, and you can call into the show that way. So you don't have to cost yourself an arm and a leg. Or if you have a Skype account that's a paid account like mine, a lot of times you can call me for like a penny on a minute or something. So I uh, think about it. You know, I want people to get involved from all over the world. And we are short an Australian director right now. I lost two Australian directors because their wives had babies. Yeah. Uh, last one had twins. Donatello already had a bunch of kids. And he had another one. I miss him. He's a lot of fun. I miss all of them. Uh, but you got families, and, you know, when you're raising kids, this is a tough subject to be discussing around them. But Matt, as everybody else, thanks. Leela, if you listen tonight, thanks. Leela, if you listen tonight, I want to talk to you about a, a director's job. Actually, I want to talk to a bunch of you about director's job, but we'll get into that soon enough. Thanks for all everybody who helps with the Facebook's pages and the, especially on the news on the flip side, because news on the flip side has gotten huge and out of control. Uh, so any all help there is appreciated. Remember, if you want to help with the new servers or the hard drives or whatever, uh, you can make a donation on, the, on uh, the Paranormal Radio site or the United Public Radio site by clicking on the PayPal button and make a donation. Uh, Mark, if you want to do that and just mail me a hard drive, that would feel fine. You can do that. It's, uh, um, you know, we're easy. It's just I made a promise to myself two years ago that I would not take any more money out of pocket on the station. So it is up to you all to keep the station on the air now. And i got to say, there's been some great donations. A lot of people have, have done good work for us, uh, for the people who helped get this computer and a lot of the other stuff from the bandwidth and all the other stuff that we've been paying for the last few months. I want to tell everybody thank you. Uh, for the last year, you the listeners have kept this station alive, so I want to tell you all thank you all for that as well. And remember, when you want something, you need something, tell me, write to me. I'm easy to find. You know, Write to me. It takes me a little while to get back to you, but I will get back to you um, because we're always looking for guests. We're always looking for new Excuse me. We're always looking for new shows, and we're always looking for new information. And, and, and since we've changed over to the Joe Montalda show now, uh, we will be adding um, venues to the show. Eventually, I'm going to get with the 911 people. Oh, yeah, this is going to be fun because you all know I, I'm, not a, I'm not a real big 911 conspiracy guy, so it's going to be fun because I, I, I really got my shit, my ducks in a row, so they better have their crap. If they're going to prove to me that this was some kind of inside job by Bill Clinton, they're going to have to have their stuff because people don't even call me and tell me it was George Bush. George Bush was only president for eight months. There's no way you could even put those buildings together in eight months to bring them down. Uh, it was hard. I'm a harp, you Jays. I'm going to buy you a big old harp for Christmas. Uh, anyway. Well, we're going to get out of here now and tell everyone thanks for hanging out, especially for the extra hour. I'm glad to see all the servers were full and happy tonight. Uh, any comments, questions, or any other things, you can write to me at uprn at cox.net uh, or at icarcox.net. Anything abduction-related, please write to, excuse me, abduction at att.net or abduction at cox.net. Either one of those two will get to me, and, and we, we try to keep that stuff separate so that y'all can get to us. Remember, too, we're always looking for directors, investigators, all kind of people for ICAR. 
really, 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 we got a lot of stuff going on. We really could use the help. Again, I want to thank, thank everyone for tuning in tonight. If you, you know, keep up the good work. And uh, oh, Frankie G, what's up, man? Oh no. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll we might take another paranormal show, another UFO show on the network. Probably not any more than one or two more, but you know, we are looking for. I'm looking for a good tech show. Because uh, Rob retires, I'm looking for a good tech show to pick up the slack there. And also, whoever gets the, brings in a tech show is going to get a 15-minute spot on News on the Flip Side because we do tech on News on the Flip Side. I'm also looking for someone who does good space science. I'd like to set up like a half-hour show, maybe an hour show on space science, and I'd like them to take a 10- or 15-minute segment on News on the Flip Side as well. Um, because we do a lot of current politics, but there's a lot of other stuff we talk on news on the flip side, and I really, really uh, want to get it going. Uh, but remember, you can catch us Saturday night. I will be back on air with my co-host Stephanie Benetti on Saturday night from, uh, well, from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, you will no longer see the Church of Mavis following us anymore because the Church of Mavis has moved to Friday night starting March 7th. So come check out Jeffrey Pritchett and the Church of Mavis. Uh, Carol, oh, no, that's Friday night you're talking about, right, Carol? Which one? Well, yeah, both got both of them got guys and girls. You got to give me something better than that. Oh no, that's Jason Wilson. Yeah, you said it started with you. That's Jason Wilson. Yeah, yeah, he's perky like that. You can write to him. Though. He's easy to find. Yeah, if you can't, just pop into the Pal Talk virtual. I'm talking about. I don't know if you're on a chat server or not, but you can also catch him in there. Uh, so anyway, on that note, I'm gonna get out of here. Again, I want to tell thank you, tell everyone thank you for tuning in this evening. I uh, hope everyone has a good life. For all my friends who are going to be attending the Mardi Gras along the Gulf Coast and anywhere else, be safe, have some fun, and enjoy. For all the people who live other places, calm down for Mardi Gras and have some fun. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to News on the Flip Side with your hosts Joe Montaldo and Stephanie Benetti. Join us 